With a bustling holiday season well underway, ready-to-eat meal delivery can send a helping hand. Factor Meals shops, preps, cooks, and delivers to your door so you can enjoy chef-crafted, dietitian approved meals during the holidays on demand, on a whim, whenever you're hungry, whenever you're looking for a nutrient-dense, quick meal to get you the energy you need. To keep you moving and feeling healthy during the holiday season, minus the hassle of online orders, waiting for it to arrive, opening that plastic bag, wondering if they got it right, do you have to reheat the food, how much should you tip, none of that comes with the Factor Meal process. You have a choice of 34 meals per week, including Gourmet Plus, Keto, Calorie Smart, Vegan and Veggie, and 36 plus weekly add-on options. You've got plenty of nutritious, flavorful options to choose from. The holiday season is especially busy for a lot of us, me included, and Taking time to cook or go somewhere to eat isn't always possible. And then you reach for junk food or bad food, and that's not what Factor delivers. Factor is cheaper than dining out and takeout. You can put the money you save toward holiday fun and you time. Thanks to Factor's commitment to ingredients with integrity, you can enjoy flavorful chef-crafted meals, guilt-free like their three-bean vegan chili, one of my favorites. Need a special occasion meal? Gourmet Plus is a perfect solution if you're looking for fast, upscale options done easy. You can actually cook a gourmet meal for your family and friends, you don't have to tell them it was Factor. When things get hectic during the holidays, Factor is flexible. Change your order every week with plans from 4 to 18 meals per week or pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. So stress less over mealtime this holiday season. Factor's no prep, no mess meals. Free up time otherwise spent shopping, cooking, and doing cleanup so you can fully enjoy the holidays without wasting hours in the kitchen. Factor meals arrive ready to heat up in just two to three minutes in your microwave. There's no prep. There's no little ingredient packets to open, no instructions to follow. So head to factormeals.com slash Wade50 and use code Wade50 to get 50% off. That's code Wade50 at factormeals.com slash Wade50 to get 50% off. I am a customer. I endorse this product. I pay for it. And I value when I get hungry and need a quick meal, knowing I've got something with nutrient-dense food to give me the energy I need to get through my work day or my work evening on those long pay-per-view nights and long TV nights. So go to factormeals.com slash Wade50 and use code Wade50 to get 50% off. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 90s Passcast. This is Alex McDonald alongside Patrick Moynihan. How you doing, Patrick? Alex, I'm doing doing well. How's it going over there? Good. A couple weeks out from Christmas. I assume all of your Christmas shopping is already done. You know, a good portion of it is. Usually I feel like um, behind the eight ball by now, but no, I'm, I'm, in, I'm the uh, head of the game. I'll say it that way. Santa is doing a good job this year. You better not say that too loud. <laughs> no, that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> we are here today for issue 256 of the Pro Wrestling Torch for the week of December the 4th, 1993. We have Hulk Hogan named as a witness in the Vince McMahon trial. Bobby Heenan leaving the WWF, possibly headed for WCW, and possibly looking to take part in some of the big money we just saw Mean Gene Okerlund get that we reported on about a month ago. 
We also have our Survivor Series 1993 review, wrapping up the year of WWF pay-per-views. And other than that, not too much other than some some little tidbits and news and things like that. But Patrick, you do have some emails for us this week. I do. First thing I'm going to start with, uh, Scott Passon, our good old friend here, giving us the Sports Minute. For this week back in 1993, he starts with St. Louis Blues. Bob Barry coaches his eighth, 800th career NHL game, which is a 4-2 loss to the Maple Leafs of Toronto. Also coached the LA Kings, the Canadians of Montreal, and the Pittsburgh Penguins in reaching that milestone. In addition, the Rockets defeat the Knicks 94-85 at MSG, extending their record win to 15 games. The matchup between Patrick Ewing and Akeem Olajuwon as they talk of the New York City in the post-Michael Jordan era. The streak ends the next night as the Hawks hand the Rockets their first defeat of the season, 133-111. to In the second SEC championship game, number nine, Florida beats number 16, Alabama, 28-13. to Sticking in college football, the Orange Bowl will host the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Haven't heard that name uh, uttered much in the more recent era of college football. They're going to be playing the Florida State Seminoles on January 1st. The winner is expected to be named the national champion. Remember, by, by the way, do you remember this too back back? I guess it hasn't been too far removed, but they used to just not name the champion until like the game's outcome. Isn't that the case? Yeah. Like now we have a playoff, but back then it's like, oh, if this team wins, they're going to be the champ, I guess. Well, what they would do is they'd wait until the bowl games were over and then they would re-rank everybody. And basically, whoever ended up number one ended up the national champion. But you ended up with some weird circumstances where there, there's a few years in there and somebody with more knowledge of it than me can email us and tell us what years, but there's some years where there's actually a split national champion because yes. the vote was split. That's right. So obviously what we have now is way better, despite the current controversy we have right now, yeah. which is super ironic because two of the four teams you just named are the two involved <laughs> in the controversy 30 years later with Florida state and Alabama. So it's kind of funny how that worked out. Yeah, very ironic. Uh, pretty good that those uh, colleges are even in the discussion 30 years later, though. So they're they're doing something right. Um, finally, here from Scott, the Dallas Cowboys defeat the Eagles 23-17 on Monday Night Football. Emmett Smith leads the way with 23 carries for 172 yards. And uh, hopefully that's not the case uh, this coming week with uh, the Eagles playing the Cowboys. I was going to say also super topical, right? With Yeah. That game right Absolutely. around the corner. I I do think Dallas is going to win. By the way, hey, it'll be tough. It'll be by a lot, but I, do I don't. Win. Do you know this offhand? I heard this stat recently. Dallas has not lost a home game in like two years or something. I don't. Or know. maybe dating back to last year. I was going to say I don't know if they were perfect at home last year, but I do know they have not lost a game at home this year, and probably more importantly than that is they average something crazy like 32 points a game at home. Yeah, they're, they like are, they're it, pretty darn good. It's a ridiculous disparity. Um, they've also scored, scored like 40 or more in like four of their last six games or something. Yeah. Like that. So 
I, I don't know. I, I could be wrong. I just. That would be I a had... good game. I mean, they both got whooped by the Niners. So we'll see how things shake out this coming week. Uh, speaking of shaking out, we have Dennis with uh, an email about Battle Boy. And yes, Dennis, we have your trivia waiting in the wings for next week as we wade through, no pun intended, wade through all of these pay-per-view shows. We have uh, so many things to get through. But uh, Dennis writes, he says, gentlemen, you asked for some Battle Bowl memories, and I'll say this. I played baseball all the way to semi-pro, but the other sport I excelled at was bowling. Pretty sure I bowled in a state tournament as an 11 or 12-year-old, and it was called the Maryland Battle Bowl. That sounds amazing. And he said, what premiered that December? Well, actually, WCW Battle Bowl. So you are a man ahead of your time there, Dennis. Uh, but he does go on to say he has no real memories of Battle Ball, but he remembers the first two, but not the standalone one, which we just reviewed. WCW was just too gimmick heavy on pay-per-view because if you remember, WCW also had their spin the wheel, make the deal gimmick that they did for Halloween Havoc. So if you recall in 92, you had Sting versus Roberts in a coal miner's glove as the main event for that show. Oh, do we ever remember it, Dennis? That was uh, still uh, the worst ranked or rated pay-per-view thus far. For us to be followed, he says, by Starcade with the main event following my favorite all time random tag team pay-per-view with the Battle Royal won by the Great Muda. He ends by saying WCW 93 is very AEW now. He says some of my favorite wrestlers are on the roster, but they just don't know how to string consistent storylines together. Sting and Hawk as a tag team, for example. Yes, please. Just like AEW with one of my personal favorites, Ethan Page. He's a great talker and a good worker, but he only gets AEW TV time when they go to Canada. Can you imagine Paul Heyman with the book running WCW during this time? That was a pretty that would be a pretty darn cool thing. You know, it's it's interesting. I know he had some legal disagreements with them. We'll just put it at that. Um he being Heyman and WCW, but you know, why not? I wonder why his name was never floated around. I know he's, he's hooked with this WWN slash ECW thing at the moment, but you know, Turner has some big pockets. I didn't want to ever consider Paul Heyman coming back into the fold. No, because there was all the controversy with the lawsuit that you just talked about. Plus um, he hated them. And he did. He did. He certainly did. I think that hatred grew after Eric Bischoff got that job. And even if you bring in Heyman to book, Bischoff still technically would be his boss. And I don't think he would ever operate under that circumstance. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. Like Heyman working with SmackDown under Vince McMahon. I think he actually respected Vince, whereas he did not Eric Bischoff at the time. I'm sure that, They've mended fences now, but and we even we even saw the problems he had when he didn't respect his boss, because, I mean, it's well documented how much him and Stephanie didn't get along. So there's that true, even more anecdotal evidence. Yeah. Well, one more email. This comes from Kevin from Colorado. He says, how's it going, gentlemen? First of all, I was surprised that no one brought up the big news of CM Punk. Yeah, we didn't talk about that on the air last week. We we did talk about it off the air, but, you know, I don't know about you, Alex, but I was always raised, if you don't have anything nice to say about someone, you just don't say it. Oh, we were raised very differently. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, the, the truth is, the reason that we didn't talk about it, and I talked about it with you off the air, but it... 
how I feel has been like regurgitated all over the the airwaves. And I just don't think I have anything to add that hasn't already been said by names with more connections than I have. And just the truth is the company is doing very, very well. They do not really need him um, as evidenced by the multiple overseas pay-per-view events scheduled for next year. Um, Already scheduled, like I said. And the thing is, is that if he causes any trouble, they'll have no problem just dumping the guy. He's not being brought in as their top guy. They they have one of those. They also have a 1B already. So he's not going to occupy either one of those spots. And the truth is, the guy is just not going to have anywhere near the clout because the guy with the book in this company doesn't really care for him as opposed to the other company where he's infatuated with his work. So again, I just don't, I, I think all of that's already been said. So other than that, I just don't have anything to add. That's really worthwhile. Yeah. I'll add one or two things. One thing is I, I am just a, a, the type of person that I, I don't like when people keep getting chances when they've spoiled their chances time and time again, like this guy just keeps falling into money. And I know he makes money for these companies, too. But, you know, how many times do they have to um, how many times does he have to prove them wrong or right? I guess, however, which way you look at it. So that just irks me in general. Um, Two, I just think he's one of the many people as an AEW fan that he just uses in retrospect. I don't think he was trying to use AEW to begin with. But in retrospect, I think he's he's a is a user of trying to get him himself back into the good graces of WWE. We know that because he did that. He went, you know, backstage and tried to sweet talk them months ago when he was actually still an employee of AEW. So there's certain elements that just really irk me about this guy and the fact that he just keeps getting payout after payout um is just bothersome to me. So good riddance from an AEW fan's perspective and good luck to you and I think he'll be totally fine in WWE. I think this is his last shot to do anything of of that level or tier and in that acclaim. So he'll be fine, but it's just I don't I'm glad he's gone. And you and I were talking about this off air, but this just randomly it just so happened where you pretty much just traded Adam Copeland for for CM Punk. And I'm I'm totally fine with that trade. And um what's her name? We got her yeah, Car Jade Cargo. Yeah, yeah, Jade Cargo. Yeah, which you know, I think that'll prove out to be something too. But she's, you know, all power to her as well. But again, I just feel in retrospect, she just used AEW to get to where she is. And you know what? From business perspective, like that's okay. But that's just how it comes off. And I think Tony Khan is a little too foolish in many regards, and in this regard, where he's just blindsided by certain things and. The CM Punk, this is pretty, you said it yourself, the CM Punk's situation is a perfect example. He just bowed down to that guy for far too long. Need an extra dose of positivity in your wrestling podcasts? Well, come join me, Alan Forel, over in the Pro Rest Paradise at Peter Torch VIP as we bask on the bright side of wrestling and focus on some of the great matches and shows from around the world, be it the U.S., 
Japan, Europe or Mexico. There's always a place for wrestling's past in the paradise too, and we've done fun historical shows such as the We Love Liger series, celebrating the glorious career of Jushin Thunder Liger, and our I Was There When shows where our guests will join me to talk about a classic bout that they were in attendance for. We love variety, and you can expect lots of it at the ProRest Paradise. Detailed PWF Torch VIP subscription information and a list of all the VIP benefits is available at pwtorchvipinfo.com. And yes, all VIP podcasts are compatible with popular podcast apps on iPhone and Android devices. Or you can stream them directly from our ad-free VIP mobile site. See you in the paradise. You know, I would like to, to make another trade. And we will give you Kevin Owens for MJF. Maybe before the Kevin Owens resign, like a few years back, I would do that. But no, I'm not doing that trade. You're going to have to sweeten the pot a little bit. Uh, I will throw in. How about Charlotte Flair? Oh, that's interesting. I'll, I'll, I'll have to think about this and get back to you. I'm just trying to think of people I'm bored with that I wouldn't notice were gone. Well, it would be interesting. I know this is like kind of a trope at this point, but it, maybe it would work in AEW because Flair's, you know, Ric Flair's there. And I'm not all too happy about that anyway, but maybe they could actually pair the two of them together successfully. Because I don't, I don't think that, I know it's been tried. I just don't think it's been successful, really. You know who else you can have? It, like, I'll just throw this in. Um, Finn Balor. <sighs> Uh, no, thank you. <laughs> I used to like him, but no, no, thank you. You're you're ruining your trade uh, leverage here. This is a tough one. Actually, I this is you know we can open this up uh, to the to the audience like just current day stuff. Would that would that trade fly if if it was Flair Charlotte Flair and Kevin Owens for MJF? Who out there would either take that or any uh, additional uh, you know talent would you throw in the pot there? Uh, we didn't even get through Kevin. Oh, finish your thought. We didn't even get through Kevin's last part of his email. What do you want for uh, Ricky Starks? See, I like him too. You're naming some really good quality people. <clears throat> you're you're hitting on the right people. Hmm. I'll have to get back to you on that one. Would you take Kevin so- Owens for him? I might. Yeah, that might be a one for one, even though I I mean, I really do like Starks. But I think MJF is just too high level at this point. I mean, he's been the champ for a year, and so he's definitely upped his upped his uh, profile. I think I would consider a Starks Owens. I would do it begrudgingly, but I think I'd do it. I think I would do that one. Yeah, I yeah, I get it from your standpoint. Yeah. And that's not a slight on Owens. It's just I think he's he's getting up there in age at this point. I don't know how many. I'm, you know better than I. I don't watch the show, but I don't know how much more he would have in him to then to come to AW. With all due respect, you're going to work harder in that company for less matches, but they'll they'll be turned up a little bit. Uh, Kevin from Colorado continues. He says that being said, I had to have a laugh because we brought up the Thanksgiving Thunder pay-per-view name and mentioned the turkey on a pole match. 
said he was talking with his friends and said that Roman Reigns, CM Punk, and Brock Lesnar should have a Paul Heyman on a Paul <laughs> Sounds awesome. Just thought I'd share the laugh he had with the guys. Pretty awesome. Thanks very much, Kevin. Appreciate that. Roman would win. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, if Paul Heyman's booking it, yeah, Roman's going to win. Yeah. Clearly. Is there a fourth guy to make it a four-way, or are those the only three guys, you know, for that match? Uh, Curtis Axel. Yeah, I thought about him, too. <laughs> He'd get jumped in the back before coming out, though. They'd, they'd write him off the, the show. Uh, that's the only other person. I, uh, well, no, there's a real one. Um, he's just old. But uh, Rob Van Dam. Okay, yeah. <clears throat> Rob Van Dam is a pretty good one. All right, so... Our cover story, Hulk Hogan named as a witness in the Vince McMahon trial. According to the November 24th New York Daily News, it's it's worth pointing out here that that came out the same day as Survivor Series. Hulk Hogan helped the U.S. Justice Department indict Vince McMahon. Apparently, Hulk Hogan cooperated with the grand jury. His lawyer declined to comment, not surprisingly. The indictment charged McMahon with steroid distribution to a wrestler who is believed to be Hogan. Uh, We've talked about this guy before. I think when we talked about him was during the Rita Chatterton stuff like a year ago, year and a half ago. Mm -hmm. But McMahon's former limo driver, James Stewart, named Hogan as the wrestler that Vince ordered him to deliver steroids to. Obviously, McMahon's driver is very confusing because when we saw him last, he was driving himself in that video we made fun of. That's also right. like a That's year right. and a half ago. I love that video. So good. <laughs> oh, you can ask Steve Plattman all about that. <laughs> exactly. Uh-huh. So Amazing. Stupid. You know, do you give credit to Vince at all for still calling the pay-per-view that day? Because, I mean, you know, this is all this is weighing on him. And that article comes out, too. And now he knows that Hogan's potentially going to testify against him. Um, Yes and no, because part of the reason I think he called the pay-per-view is out of spite. Hmm. There, There is a match on this pay-per-view that's called by the radio WWF team. And the radio WWF team is Jim Ross and Gorilla Monsoon. So it's not like he didn't have two other people there to take his place. Right, right. And with what we're about to cover with Bobby Heenan, it might have been fitting to go with Gorilla and Bobby one last time. It would have been great. Um, and even if you don't want to do that, <clears throat> Ross and and Bobby would have been perfectly fine. Sure, sure. And let's be honest, for how many people were listening to Radio WWF, you could have had whoever was left out of Gorilla and Ross call it with Todd Pettengill or something, and nobody would have really noticed. <laughs> Did was Ross gone and then back by now, or he has has he not been let go yet? I don't think he's been let go yet. Because I was trying to remember, did we cover that? I don't think he's been let go yet because I think is is DiBiase on Rumble 94? 
He is. He comes back then, yeah. Okay, then I think it's around then. It might be, but I think that also might be there might be a radio WF. Um like they're they're up in the the blow uh the nosebleed seats though. Like they're in actually oh, in like a box. Right. Yeah. The, but he must be gone soon after. Yeah, it's somewhere between Rumble and King of the Ring, ninety four. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. It's somewhere in that neighborhood. I just don't remember. And now that I'm thinking, he's he's not on ten either. No, so no. We might be getting closer. Yeah. Anyway, uh, the limo driver James Stewart didn't know what he was delivering to Hogan. The story goes that basically Stewart went somewhere first, believed to be the doctor. But this Stewart guy apparently doesn't know that he went to a doctor and doesn't know that he turned in a a prescription and doesn't know what he delivered to Hulk Hogan because clearly it was like, you know, whatever doctors prescribe that's totally legal for you to pick up for somebody else and go take it to them. Right, exactly. That wasn't fishy enough, James. Yeah, I, like the whole thing where I'm not sure is just so stupid. Like, I didn't know what I was doing was illegal, really, because that's a totally normal thing to do, right? A millionaire asks you to go pick up a prescription from a doctor and then deliver said prescription to another millionaire. That's that's normal. <laughs> who, you know, they're 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 so well known, these two people as well. They're like, you know, they're they're on TV every single weekend or week, really. And they obviously work closely together. Yeah. And and there's no way there's anything weird going on here. Like, this is so stupid. And this is the other part of this that raises like a big red flag. The indictment says this took place somewhere between March of 1988 and October of 1989, which is about 18 months. Like putting that in wrestling standards or you're talking about Royal, excuse me, you're talking about WrestleMania four to nearly Survivor Series 89. Like a lot happened in the WWF between those two periods. Hogan lost the title and won it back again. Yeah. Like we had a whole so man title reign in here. <laughs> exactly. That whole thing. He, he turns heel face, you know, heel again. He's the king by then. <laughs> a lot goes down, but they, they can't even figure out when this actually happened. Yeah. They're not sure if the mega powers were still together or not. That's why they can't <laughs> narrow down the date. Right. Is Miss Elizabeth even on TV at this point? Yeah. I don't even know. Oh, so stupid. <laughs> um, also, he does add that he thinks it was late 88, which, again, would have been in the midst of the mega powers exploding. So right, that's right. probably where the confusion lies. <laughs> uh, Wade says Hogan's involvement legitimizes the indictment in the eyes of many because he is such a well-known name. Speculation is Vince McMahon will almost certainly have to cut a deal if Hogan is set to testify so it doesn't hurt the company's chances with advertisers. Speaking of of the advertisers thing, do you think that all of 
the changes they've made in the last we'll we'll call it we'll call it since um the Benoit incident. Do you think that's helped them in a tangible way with advertisers? Because you and I grew up on an era where like the best they could do was the pimple poppers and <laughs> gastrol. It's true. And what I mean, Domino's was huge in '94 when they they did. I think it was Domino's SummerSlam, wasn't it? Yeah, that's that true. was humongous for them. When the pizza boxes came out before the actual match was uh, announced, right? It was hilarious. And it then, was like, but they had Skittles, Castrol GTX. Like, do you remember? It might have been the one you went to, actually, but when they got like M and M's as a sponsor for mm. one of the manias i th- i think it's 15 was it 15 yeah that sounds familiar now that they say that that was like a huge deal certainly yeah because it was like a real brand like yeah. actual yeah like it wasn't surge drink right right yeah but to your question i i certainly think so i mean i don't know what the trigger point was but it was it's got to be after that benoit thing i'm not saying like right after but since then at least I mean, now they're even talking more recently. And obviously, it's diff- much different now with TKO owning it. But there's talk of them doing ring mat advertising, which Vince was always against. So they're going to make some more money that way as well. I would much rather they did that than the current thing they're doing with the logos on the barricades. Like they have oh, okay. greens on the barricades now. Got it. Got it. And when they do advertisements like um, WrestleMania this year, you had Dominic against Ray in like ultimate father versus son, blah, 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 whatever. Mm-hmm. And the entire time there was cinnamon toast crunch multicolors all over the barricades. It was very. Distracting. Oh, that's terrible. That's so bad, especially like a blood feud like that. That's what I mean. It should yeah. be a blood food. That's awful. So um, I would much prefer yeah. the giant logos on the mat. Yeah, I don't have a problem with that, especially because, you know, I watch Japan wrestling. They've been doing that forever. So that's not a yeah from a wrestling uh, fans perspective. That's not a big deal to me. It's I, I like the clean look, but yeah, that wouldn't bother me. Daily cast listeners. Thank you, first of all, for streaming the shows. Be sure you're subscribing. Just search PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to pro wrestling podcasts. But while you're at it, if you're not yet, please subscribe to the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast and Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows. Search Wade Keller and see two logos pop up, a blue one and a red one. The red logo, the post shows, cover Raw and SmackDown each week with a fast turnaround time of a couple hours after the show's end. And also, every Saturday, we present a flashback to our analysis from five years ago that week, covering Raw. Jason Powell from ProWrestling.net joins me, and we analyze what happened on Raw five years ago. So check out that time capsule every weekend. The Blue Logo Show features the Thursday flagship, plus our first-run interviews, our classic interviews, and our mailbag segments. So again, search Wade Keller and click subscribe to both the Red Logo and the Blue Logo. Well, and I mean, UFC's done it for a sure. decade. Absolutely. And nobody notices. No, it's just part of the uh, just the whole ambiance, really. 
Yeah, like it's always been a part of it. So you just don't like I said, you don't even notice anymore. It almost in a weird way, it might actually make things feel more sport like because yep. UFC does that. Like when um yeah. came in and he still had the Jimmy John's logos all right. over the sports. E- yeah, like- exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um AEW does that on their mats. They have DraftKings at times. Not always, but they do that. And then they might have done it here and there for other things too. DraftKings has been the most consistent though. That's a good partner to have. Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. And uh they'll do like other sponsorships like um because they're WBD related, they'll like help sponsor some of their shows that come up or like um, like I forget. There was there was a really terrible Jeff Jarrett. I think it was like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. Excuse me. Um they did a really terrible like Texas Chainsaw Massacre themed um match that was just terrible but like they'll make money from that and do that stuff i think they actually even donated it to some cause which is you know good publicity wait warner brothers still owns harry potter right i believe so yeah i want an aew harry potter themed match (laughs) who would play harry oh (laughs) mjf yeah maybe maybe Roderick Strong's actually been wearing glasses lately. He, he, he might be able to pull it off. Or um, if they wanted to, like, troll it, like Sammy Guevara. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the last part of this, Wade mentions that Hogan taking the stand unofficially ends the Hulk Hogan-WF relationship, which has obviously been a staple of the wrestling business. And I would argue up until this point is probably the most important and most impactful relationship in wrestling history. Hogan and Vince? Yes. Yeah. Um, Yeah, maybe. I mean, I'm just thinking of like Bruno and Vince Sr. or someone like that. Maybe we don't, not that we don't know them, but is there like historically something else that worked? But no, I mean, that that's clearly right up there. I would say second would be the gold dust trio. Yeah. But the thing is, is that all of that stuff was regional. This right. was our first exposure to something on a national level that took over and became mainstream. Yeah. Part of the culture, really. I mean, yeah, truly. It, I do think something surpassed it um, because without Steve Austin, they wouldn't be a public company. He agreed 100%. So I'm, I, I'm glad that that man still makes millions of dollars from them because he just he deserves it all. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where I, I'll listen to the argument for Hogan and Vince, but it, it's hard to argue. I mean... Nobody was watching this show until Steve Austin broke out. Like everybody had swapped the channel. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. then not only that, but like I said, he's the catalyst for them going public. And I don't don't want to hear any argument for The Rock. That had nothing to do with him. No, you won't hear that from me. I mean, he's making the millions of dollars to this day. I mean, beyond millions. But without that, they're not going to get 
like you said, they're not going to go public and then build upon that. Anything to add on the indictment? <laughs> and I, again, we have so much coming up on this. So as we get like the breadcrumbs, it's hard to dive into it without going into stuff we already know happens down the line. But anything to add on this as far as the limo driver, steroids being delivered, Hogan taking the stand, so on and so forth. Only that, the, you know, I guess this should have been obvious to me, but this is like a fun little tidbit of going through these issues together, like one by one, is that I never really thought of this being the impetus for Hogan and Vince and the, the end of that relationship. Because, you know, obviously he, he was gone a little bit before them off TV we learned he's talked to WCW at least by now, but this seems to be that nail in the coffin that as Wade puts it. Um, and you know, we know where this goes, but yeah, it's just interesting to like piece these things together in real time. So it was just an interesting call out for me to, to pull out. In this moment, if you're Vince McMahon, do you think, and again, ignoring what we know happens, mm-hmm. if you're Vince McMahon, do you think Hogan is going to put the screws to you hmm. and <clears throat> tell whatever he thinks may be the truth on the stand? Hmm. Great, great question. Um, try not to get my knowledge of what happens in here. I'll just say I'm getting pretty concerned. Yeah. When the U.S. Justice Department indicts you, like, they don't lose very often. Right? So whether you're Vince thinking Hogan's going to do it or you're just Hogan thinking, oh, crap, I better, you know, be pretty darn truthful here. Or maybe give them, I would say he's going to lie. I'm just saying, like, maybe give them what they need to hear or want to hear, rather. Like, that's pretty damn serious. Yeah, I I completely agree. I think that's exactly where it lands is probably time to be slightly concerned at the very least. Because like you said, I mean, these guys were two of the biggest businessmen in, in the world as far as wrestling goes for the last decade. And they were two peas in a pod for much of that. Um, So there's things I'm sure they know about each other that either others don't or you know very few do and i'm sure vince is thinking through a lot of that stuff right now vince is probably like oh i should have just let him stick with Vern this whole time oh i highly doubt that (laughs) make him Vern's problem very broken out of business at this point well maybe not maybe he would have gotten carrie von eric or something yeah, I bet he I bet he would have pivoted we don't yeah, down the rabbit hole, but I bet that's where he would have gone. Yeah, it's probably it's probably Carrie Von Eric, May, yeah. maybe Flair, but that would have been. Yeah. I, I don't think that that's necessarily what would have ended up happening. He might have had to go to Flair as a not like a top baby face, but just like another star to put his money behind as as part of like a larger maybe group of stars. Yeah, he you're probably yeah. right. Probably would have had to go the committee route. Yeah, committee, right. Exactly. The the other name that's been thrown around too, which is hilarious to think about, because he, he got him and he was a heel. 
but a babyface version of Ted DiBiase would have also yeah. had a possibility. That would have been interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I wonder if he would have even pivoted to like a Brody too. Thinking about a committee like earlier. I mean, mm. I think Brody would have eventually gotten there, but would he have tried to tap him sooner? I never thought of that, but that's actually not a bad thought. Like, can you imagine a who would go up against Andre at three? Assuming Andre's uh, still that other guy, would it be Kerry Von Eric? Would he be fizzled out by eighty-seven? Probably. It it could have been honestly, it could have been Savage. Oh yeah, maybe. Yep. By that point. What about Orndorff? Doubt it. Yeah. Highly doubt it. He he used Orndorff to get where he wanted and then totally forgot the guy existed. Yeah, he really flamed out quickly. Yeah. Like if so you much. really think about how all that worked out. <clears throat> yeah. Like that that guy's in the main event of the first WrestleMania. Is he even on two? I think he is, but n- not in anything big. Yeah. Like Paul Orndorff was like Miz of his time hmm. based hmm. on how they used him. Like let's get something out of him and then totally forget he exists. Yeah, he wasn't even on three. I think he was the backup if something went wrong with Andre. Maybe that's their excuse, but he wasn't even there. Yeah, it's just. So it's interesting stuff, you know. Kind of just thinking about this, this 10 year relationship that's pretty much broken at this point. But if there's anyone out there that has any thoughts, if Hogan wasn't that guy. Who would have that guy? Who would that guy been? Or like we said, maybe it's a committee. What other names are out there? Dusty, I don't know about that, but doubt it. Highly yeah. doubt it. I think Kerry is the best option, but again, I don't think he he makes it to like year three. No, for the reasons we you know we we know. No, but the thing is, is what what he could have been, and and this is kind of the same case for Flair also. Is it could have been enough. For them to build somebody like like Savage in the meantime, and I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but you could have seen a bigger explosion from Warrior and maybe a year sooner. Mm. Like yeah, you, maybe. Could, you could have seen a quick transition from 84 to call it 89 from Kerry Von Erich to Savage to Warrior. Yeah. Instead of the steady run of Hogan. Yeah, yeah. I I think that's that is certainly logical. I think Savage, I, I'm glossing over him too easily. I think he, he's an answer in here somewhere. Moving on to the WWF. Bobby Heenan on his way out. He gave his two-week notice at Survivor Series. His new deal was considerably less than the current one. Wade says the difference is likely in the neighborhood of six figures. Shawn Michaels took over as the color commentary on the recent episode of Raw, showing that this relationship is probably over. Uh, There's another little note that basically points that out, too. Many sources believe Bobby Heenan will likely join Mean Gene Okerlund in WCW. Again, I mentioned this a little bit before, but Mean Gene got a whole bunch of money to go to WCW. This is really 
the beginning of the ATM Eric era. And it starts with the announcers with Mean Gene followed by Bobby Heenan. Um, obviously, we know the big one coming in about six months. But this is really the beginning of that, in my opinion, in a very small way. But it ends up shaping WCW for the next five years or so. So it is interesting to think about. Yeah, and it ends up being a big way because I think Eric Bischoff, in hindsight, was very smart here. And I don't know if these guys just fell into his lap in some way and he just, you know, signed them up. But either way, he got these two. And I think visually you're flipping the dials. You see Mean Gene Oakland. Everybody knows him by now. You see Bobby Heenan, same thing. Like these guys just up the production value of your show by, you know, so many volumes, so many levels. So I think it was small but mighty in what in what Bischoff's doing here with these two. This is a really sad day for me as a fan, even like back, like looking at this pay-per-view, which we'll review soon. I like I know the end of 93 is just the end of Bobby Heenan in this company. And it just stinks like he's still good in WCW, but he, you know, he slowly fades. He's never not good in WWF. So when he's gone, it just feels like this clock is ticking where maybe two, three more years at max you get out of him. But this is the end of certainly an era. Uh, and I, it's kind of a sh- shame because I think was it Rumble 93 earlier this year we reviewed Monsoon and Heenan's last pay-per-view together. So it's been a while since like the, uh, the dream team, at least my, my, my favorite tandem, uh, hasn't been doing a show together, but, uh, yeah, this is just a sad moment. It just stinks. Just stinks. Searching for more great pro wrestling talk. Then join me, Jason Powell, host of the free weekly pro wrestling boom podcast. Each week, you'll hear the latest news and analysis from me and my team at ProWrestling.net along with other Pro Wrestling Media members. Plus, the Pro Wrestling Boom podcast features long-form interviews with notable names in the pro wrestling industry. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, and all your favorite secondary apps, or visit us directly at PWBoom.com. Once again, that's PWBoom.com. Yeah, I, <clears throat> I agree, and it, it's kind of a shame that they um they didn't do like I said earlier with Gorilla at Survivor Series or a better send off than what Heenan got and I I know the argument for that is what Heenan did get fit the character and I I totally understand that but in a way it's a shame um and if I'm not mistaken this is the last time we see Heenan on. WWF television until WrestleMania 17. Well, there is a send off on the Raw. Yeah, that episode of Raw. That's the one you're talking about. Yes, 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 yes. I have a question for you, and I don't know if you know this or anyone out there listening knows this. Like, does Vince McMahon ever make a comment about him, like, in, in the decades since? Like, this guy gave so much to his, his company, and, and a lot of people during this era really did. But Bobby Heenan was such a unique character and so great at what he did, like every facet of what he did. I feel like Vince really under utilized, not utilized him, but underappreciated him. I just have that sense, but I don't know if he's ever commented about Bobby Heenan. Not on the air. 
It's just a, he's a weird one to me because even yeah. even after WCW, like Heenan was never there until you said it seventeen, and maybe Vince, you know, he's just past that age. Vince doesn't like older people on his TV, but like he had Mean Gene do specials and backstage stuff here and there. Like I don't know, I just feel like Vince didn't appreciate this guy. In Heenan did some of the DVDs, but in fairness, if you remember at 17, some of the side effects of the throat cancer had yes, taken true, over. True. So I don't know how much Heenan could have actually done after that point. Um, Maybe I'm thinking more of the way Vince like revered. Freddie Blassie or even Gorilla or like certain people, even like Mr. Fuji was like a guy that I think his father told him to take care of. But like he should have been in there, but he just he just wasn't revered like that. Maybe because they were more contemporaries. I don't know. I just have this feeling that he just didn't. Value the guy. No, and they don't even talk about him now. No. Um, I don't know. I never hear anything bad said about Heenan as far as, you know, Vince Vince goes or anything like that. I just I never hear anything really positive either. Oh, no, it's more of a glossing over than it is anything negative. Right. That's a shame. I mean, we all love him, so he's he's certainly beloved. Uh, Wade says losing Heenan would be a big blow to the WWF and make WCW appear like a better place for talent. Uh, we kind of just touched on that. Uh, something else we touched on a couple of weeks ago, but Terry Funk walked out of the pay-per-view doing due to not liking the finish and thinking things were too messy. He was going to be one of the Knights and lose via submission and then get unmasked. Valentine was one of the Knights, but was never scheduled to be unmasked. Which is probably for the best because somebody would have thought it was a soccer mom. <laughs> anyway, um, this is one of the famous stories where, and again, I, I wish Wade had put the date, but him saying walking out of the pay-per-view, I, I assume it's the day of. But Terry Funk called the office and said he had to go home because his horse was sick. This is that show for anybody who's heard that story before. Right. Yeah. I I also thought that this was the day of too. like he was physically there and he left. That's how I read it. Yeah, that that was how I took it, too. I just feel like when I've heard this story before, it was like the night before. I see. Like, yeah. he, like he flew in, got the hotel room and then called from the hotel. Gotcha. Uh, gotcha. But again, I could be misremembering that. Because it's also possible that Terry Funk has done this more than once. Terry Funk is so great that he can get away with this and Vince still hires him later. Like, he still works for the guy. Yeah, he gets to be Chainsaw Charlie. Absolutely. <laughs> so do we know what color he would have been? Would he have been the Blue Knight, I assume? Where we find out that that was Barry Horowitz? Yeah, whichever one was Barry Horowitz is what yeah. is the color he would have been. Yeah. I have a bunch of questions for that when we get to the pay-per-view, but anyway. Um, miscellaneous notes, WrestleMania 10 tickets will go on sale in January, and some numbers that will make Patrick sick to his stomach. Tickets range from $20 to $300, and if you get one of the $300 t- 
tickets, you get a free chair. I've always wanted a free chair for any. I don't care what show it's from. I just want. I've always wanted one. I guess this is where this started, by the way. It, I assume it is too. Yeah. Also, um, you can find those chairs on like eBay. Or are you saying it's not the same if you didn't go to the show and get it's, your own? It's show? it's okay if I don't mind, honestly. If someone out there listening has an extra one and wants to ship me one, that's great. I'll take it. AEW does that too, by the way. Like they'll they'll put them out for pay per views. But no, I, I just always wanted. I mean, the older the better because I like more nostalgia stuff. Uh, I assume they're still doing this today. Yeah, they do. They yeah. Do. Only um, that chair and a front row seat at WrestleMania cost you about ten grand. Sure, sure. This one was three hundred bucks. Yeah, well, that's still a lot cheaper than what I paid for WrestleMania night one and two combined this year. Coming into the uh, the nosebleeds. Yeah, it's crazy to think about, isn't it? It is, and and actually, I went to fifteen. I want to say that was like maybe seventy five bucks. That sounds right. Ninety-nine period. Yeah, I was up in the higher seats too, but more reasonable. Yeah, but you're probably like looking at the front row in ninety-nine. Fifteen's in ninety-nine, right? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're, it probably. Yeah, we'll call it seven hundred bucks. Yeah, under, I would say under a thousand. Yeah, yeah. If you're getting right. it firsthand. So, again. Um, like I said, interesting how times have changed. Certainly. This would have been a great show, too. If anybody has a chair from Mania 10, please let us know. Yeah, send us a photo. And if you have some two extra ones, even better. <laughs> <laughs> or one extra one that you could saw in half. That would also be fantastic. No, no, I would not let them saw it in half, meaning I'm the true. I, I appreciate it more, so they'll they'll gift it to me. Oh, there you go. Isn't that how that works? Yeah. To be fair, that story is about a baby. We are talking about a chair. <laughs> hey, you don't know what I value. <laughs> <laughs> um, Vince was released on $250,000 bond after pleading not guilty. Something tells me he didn't sit in a holding cell. Just a guess. Yeah, just a hunch. You're probably right. And what's funny about that is if it was now, Vince would let himself be in the holding cell and film the entire thing. Very true. Yes, it would have been live streamed. Somebody else would have had to do it because he wouldn't know how to do it. But still, you don't think he knows how to use his phone? I don't know about live streaming, though. That's a good point. You know, I don't think he knows what a gallon of milk costs, <laughs> but I think he knows how to use his phone. Right. Uh, McDivitt was recently quoted as calling the indictment a travesty that will end with the good guy winning, just like wrestling. Uh, Vince has a quote in here about how everybody knows wrestling's fake, which is why he coined the term sports entertainment, a term that we still can't get away from 30 years after the fact. Isn't it funny that um, McDivitt says the good guy always wins just in rest, just like in wrestling while their biggest champion, like their biggest uh, draw at the moment is Yokozuna, which is also like their biggest heel champion to date in that whole company. Ever? Yeah, ever. Yeah, ever. Yeah. 
who but just I know he lost by DQ or count I rather, but he you know he technically beat Luger. Well, I would also like to point out Luger. that it's when he says the good guy always wins in the end. That's a huge spoiler for Mania Ten, which tickets just went on sale for. <laughs> there you go, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, Kurt Henning may not return to the WWF until the summer. He's taking time off to be with his family and maybe trying to get away from WWF's bad publicity. Uh, we're going to talk more about that, too, when we do um, the pay-per-view review. I have a question on that, too. Um, I still hope that we get more insight into this because I'm not satisfied. I've been waiting for decades to know why Mr. Perfect disappeared in 93. I'm not satisfied with that answer. I hope I hope more is co- to coming. Because is he are we to believe he's the only guy that has any moral compass to say, I'm going to get out of the way while this company like goes down in flames? I don't believe it. Yeah, I don't buy that either. Um, The other part of it, too, is we did just hear about we talked about it somewhat recently about how he didn't want to do whatever they had planned. Maybe it was with kid. I don't I don't remember the whole thing, but that did come out. And I'm trying to remember prior to the stuff he does with Hunter in 96. Does, is he back between now and then? He is. Yes. The, the, the pay-per-view you love so dearly that's coming up. Oh, I, I mean, you mean like as a, an actual like full-time capacity. Mm, well, he comes up, I'll just say now because it's a year or two away. Uh, he comes out for commentary for Survivor Series 95. And then he stays through what you just said, through the Hunter IC title reign, or at least the beginning of that. Yeah, and then he's gone. And then that's it, yeah. yeah I like how you bring up him being a special referee at Mania 10. Like that had any implication after the <laughs> and, fact at all. I know. And then he disappears again. I think he's on like one interview segment and then he's gone. Yeah, they use it as a way to get out of the match. And then they never reference it ever. ever. Never. It's like nope. it never happened. And that's another strange thing. He is a very interesting character. Because, again, similar but different to genetic. I'm not going to put him in the same ballpark here. He's just a guy that continues to come and go. And Vince is, like, seemingly OK with that. Hang on a second. You you can't use genetic because genetic doesn't come and go on his own. He gets fired over sure. and over and over again. Well, him and you know, the guys that can just keep getting jobs is my point. OK, got it. No matter what that, you know, the cause of their the, them leaving was it's just so odd you know because vince he, you know in the more recent vince in the last 20 years or maybe a little bit more than that like he wouldn't have any interest in doing that but there's certain guys that he would just let keep coming back and maybe it was just the nature of the times and there wasn't as much talent out there but it's, it's just interesting especially in this time period yeah Jeff Jarrett recently made his WF in-ring debut, said to have looked good. Of course he did. Again, I know all of you make fun of me, and that's totally fine. But in 1993, Jeff Jarrett is like an up-and-coming prospect. Like, we talked a little bit about Ricky Starks earlier. Like, Jeff Jarrett in 93 was considered on that wavelength. Like, he could be a star in three or four years. Yeah. And he looks great. I mean, 
yeah, he maybe looked a little hokey if you look back now, but he really did look legitimate. Yeah, and it's a sign of the times. Sure. You can support us on Patreon and get these shows with ads and plugs removed. The Wade Keller Processing Podcast, Wade Keller Processing Post Shows, and the PW Torch Daily Cast throughout the week with ads and plugs removed, plus a few bonus VIP shows throughout the month for just $4.99 a month. Check it out, patreon.com slash pwtorchvip. That's patreon.com slash pwtorchvip. And you can also upgrade to other tiers and receive even more benefits through Patreon. Uh, the Survivor Series did a 0.8 by rate uh, Royal Rumble matches so far. Razor Ramon against IRS. We'll talk about that when we get to the pay-per-view. And Yokozuna against The Undertaker in a casket match. I really hope Taker is working on an even bigger casket like he did for Kamala. He better, yeah. Anything to add on the WWF? Uh, No, I don't think so. On the WCW side, former WWF event coordinator Zane Breslov is working in the same role now in WCW. Uh, again, I imagine that's a, an Eric Bischoff call, and it's it's not a bad one. No, I don't know um, much about him, although I do know he is well-regarded. I think he's since passed, by the way. Um, but I think he's he's like a, a well-regarded name in the business, but like kind of behind the scenes. Yeah, not only that, but if... If I'm not mistaken, I think he works for WCW for like years. Yes, I think so too. Like he might be there when they close. Yeah, shortly before. Right, I agree. I agree with you. I know Dave Meltzer still talks about him here and there. Like he still because that he talked to him with him a lot, and always speaks highly of him as well. I think he used to work in like the. Um, music industry too so like as far as like booking big events like he he really comes with that came with a lot of uh background yeah and again definitely a smart hire at the time if you're trying to you know change your approach and that's another example so we've talked about this i think the first time you and i ever met partly on the phone at least we talked about bischoff and our and appreciation for Bischoff um in these early days he really was doing some good stuff and this has nothing to do with on screen well I guess you could say you know with Heenan and Mean Gene but still like he was just making these moves that made logical sense you can make fun of and we did we made fun of the Disney tapings because there's like eight months worth of tapings Uh, but he really made some really smart moves and this is another one the thing that you can't knock Bischoff for, there's a long list of things you can, but being ahead of the curve as far as presentation goes is not one of them. And Correct. Whether you like it or not, that guy took Nitro and made it an event that you wanted to be present at. And they did that in a bunch of different ways, but... Everybody who grew up with Nitro or watched Nitro in the 90s remembers the Nitro parties and them showing people having parties. That, like, they made that a thing. And as stupid as it is in retrospect, 
if if that existed in a different way now with social media, it would be huge. It really would be. Yes, you're right. Can you imagine you can get that many people to host a party? I mean, really like a college dorm and have like tens and tens of dozens of people there and, and make that more viral and have that spread. Yeah. And put it on TikTok live or whatever. Sure, it would be sure. crazy. And again, Bischoff was so far ahead of, of everything presentation wise and we're slowly seeing it, but like anybody who just wants to see a radical change, turn on an episode of Saturday night from like 92 or 93 and then turn mm-hmm. on an episode of nitro. Yeah. Even the first one, if you want to do it that way. Yeah. Like, it's it's that drastic. Um, speaking of Bischoff, he was recently in Japan meeting with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Wade says he may be trying to negotiate a deal with them or learn how they've been so successful. Uh, he definitely steals at least one idea while he's there, but more on that in about <laughs> two <or three> years. <laughs> <laughs> um. There was a November 28th show in Jacksonville. Vader was injured and didn't work while the nasties were promoted. What were in Japan instead? Don't worry, though. It's WCW, so they did not offer any refunds. Would WWF do that, though? I mean, maybe they would. But they but did. Did they? Um, WWF in that in that time period. I don't know um, how late this continued, but they would announce to the audience that let's say they advertised, I don't know, pick two names. It doesn't really matter. And they weren't going to be on the show. They would tell people at the very beginning of the show that they could go get refunds now, but they had to get the refunds at that moment. Like they couldn't sit through the whole show and then get a refund after the fact. Mm. Right. That's logical. That's fair. But that was how they did it. Um, Arn Anderson and Sid Vicious have been suspended indefinitely, but no long-term decision has been made beyond that. So we are, are we four episodes or five episodes past the stabbing at this point? It's got to be at least five. And still no decision. So we're about five weeks after the actual stabbing incident, and we don't have word one way or the other about whether or not these guys have jobs and let's just be totally honest it's wcw so suspended and definitely means they're getting paid absolutely absolutely hey they might still be getting paid today we don't know oh sid probably is yeah somehow i'm sure yeah sid sid found a way to make that turner contract last forever is that where uh bobby bonilla got his ideas (laughs) <laughs> He's still getting paid by the Mets. Yeah, they were on a softball team together. <laughs> See? The the trade. It writes itself. That's right. <laughs> uh, mean Gene told a radio program why he left the WF for WCW. He said Turner had deeper pockets than the Irishman. Um, obviously, that's Vince McMahon. WCW is recently negotiating with HBO for monthly specials. You know, I I make the joke all the time, but Tony Khan really thinks he's WCW. (laughs) 
Well, we haven't done. He doesn't done anything with Max yet. Hopefully, uh, hopefully that happens soon, though. Uh, we had the torch triple play, um, Survivor Series disappointment, and the quote book open it up. But we finish off with an editorial from Wade about what Survivor Series could have been. Wade says the reader feedback ranged from terrible to great. That seems to be a theme for WWF pay-per-views, much more so than WCW pay-per-views, by the way. WCW pay-per-views, as far as like what we get from readers, is either it was awful or it was okay. Pretty much, yeah. The WWF ones are always all over the map. Like, There's people saying it was the greatest show ever, people saying it was the worst thing they've ever seen, and other people who say it's mad. So it's, it's really interesting how different it is between the two companies. Um, most people thought Jerry Lawler would have made the match work much better than Shawn Michaels did. Um, we'll talk about that more later. Wade suggests that Doink should have included Heenan, Vince, and Monsoon. That's pretty funny. <laughs> that is pretty good. Uh, Monsoon could have then beat up Heenan to wrap up his WWF career. I, I don't hate that. I don't hate that either. Uh, Dusty had some clean finishes on recent Saturday night tapings. Rick Rude and Paul Orndorff were the ones who took the clean losses. And Arn Anderson is still recovering while Sid seems to be on his way out of WCW. But again, as we talked about before, no official word. And in the end of this article, Wade speaks very highly of Too Cold Scorpio, which we have also done on the show. He's a guy that, like, I, I guess I just never realized it from this time period, but he's definitely a what if. Yeah, I never realized it either, but uh, absolutely agree. They they pigeonholed him and they put him in this buff. Well, he wasn't buff then, but Marcus Bagwell tag team. And I can understand why they tried to do that, honestly. But with hindsight, we you know, that's not where he should have been. No, well, and we talked about he had the the title match against Barry Windham on that clash. And he was insanely over. The match is actually really good. Yeah. He made the Barry Windham that you and I don't like, like really good. It was a really fun match. And the, the fans really get behind this guy too. He is so unique in his look and his moves. Uh, he just fits the, the era really nicely. Um, it's it's just a shame. I, I I I like him a lot in ECW in the years that he spends there, and that's probably his best years, unfortunately, because I just feel like he could have done so much more. So you don't like Flash Funk? Awful. No way. <laughs> it is fun to watch Vince like dance with him though, because he's so awful at it. But that's the only the only positive. I liked Flash Funk number two when they called him Brodus Clay. <laughs> yeah. What did they call? Didn't they have names for his like dancers too? Yeah, the Funkadactyls. Fun- oh god, Funkadactyls. Okay. One of them is uh Mrs. Jimmy Uso. Oh, that's right. Yes. I knew that. So, we do have the Survivor Series review coming up next, but before we get into that, the below the bottom line details the year-end awards. We did do our own year-end awards last year on the show, and 
I will have those categories ready for us next week. And then we'll touch on that probably the last show of the year um, at the top of the show. As long as that doesn't end up being the same as Starcade. But I'm pretty confident the Starcade show will actually be what kicks off um, 94. So I hmm. think we'll be okay. Yeah, that's typically the case. I remember our very first show was Starcade 91. So that makes sense. So, I just want to put this out there too. Next week you'll have the award categories. Next week is also our hundredth episode. One hundred episodes. Jeez. Yeah. We got there quick. We certainly did. So yeah, by that math, then it would be like one oh four or something would be Starcade, right? Is that how that works? Yeah, about there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, about there. If any listeners out there want to uh, give us your top 100 favorite moments of our podcast, feel free to email us at uh, torchpasscast at gmail.com. We will also accept five. <laughs> yeah, either, five. either one, whatever. doesn't matter. But nothing in between, just five or 100. <laughs> <laughs> five memorable quotes also would be good. I that would, would be fine. Absolutely. Most of them will probably be Sid-related. Yeah, or terrible Martinetti jokes. Yep, yep. Uh, Wade's categories, his first one, MVP. Uh, last year's top five, Flair, Rude, Brett, Sting, and Savage. Um, match of the year, last year's winner was Brian Pillman versus Jushin Thunder Liger. The best heel of the year. Best babyface of the year. Best feud. Most valuable tag team. Best brawler. Best aerial wrestler. Best major television event, which um, I should reframe is actually pay-per-view. And that will be one of our categories, too. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be significantly more difficult this year, by the way. I think so, too. Yeah, I think so, too. This uh, next one might be, too, by the way. Manager of the year, I'll tell you what, uh, we're not going to do that one because, okay. I, I mean, <clears throat> the list of people to vote for is like Missy Hyatt and Harvey Whippleman. That, right, exactly. So we won't do it officially, but right now, who would you pick? Like asking you in this moment. Because it's not easy. Did Heyman do anything I, in 93? Just I so don't I think so. I with, really don't think so. With the exception of the ECW stuff with um, Gilbert, right? I don't. I don't think that. Well, you can count it, sure, but I don't think it's high profile enough. Um, he didn't do anything either. No, I mean, I there is one name jumping out to me, but maybe, maybe two. Maybe there's two names. <sighs> I get. I guess Cornette. I guess I would. That's what I was gonna say. It, if it's not him, maybe Paul Bearer. But that was a stretch. Eh, he doesn't really do anything. And like I, I was also thinking maybe Jimmy Hart, but that was like for the first part of the the year. So again, I, I think I think Cornette. Yeah, I think it has to be. Yeah, he came on strong late, but I think he's he's a good one. 
longing for some nostalgia? Or maybe you want to learn some wrestling history? Don't miss the 90s Passcast every Friday on the PW Torch Daily Cast feed. Alex and Patrick will transport you 30 years into the past by taking you through the Torch issue from that very week. Follow news from the WWF and WCW and all the happenings from across the wrestling industry in real time as the Torch reported it 30 years ago. That's the 90s Passcast every Friday on the PW Torch Daily Cast feed. And then the last couple here, uh, the best broadcaster and the rookie of the year. Uh, I will I will already vote for that one. In our awards or now? I don't know if we'll do rookie. I, I think last year we did like up and comer because I thought that rookie was too. um, Like put us in too much of a box. OK, yeah, yeah. So. But if we had to pick a rookie, I, I would pick Jeff Jarrett. I would probably pick one, two, three kid. Oh, that's a good vote. Yeah, that's a good vote. I like that. But yeah, I mean, they're they're both pretty strong. All right. So without further ado, are you ready for Survivor Series 1993? I certainly am. Um, before you get going, I would just like to point out I think it's worth noting that the picture on Peacock is the original poster with Tatanka and not the Undertaker. Yeah, very interesting. You're right. And right, very, very true. Um, this show opens with Lex Luger and his family in front of in front of a fireplace. And they're being interviewed and wishing us a happy holidays. It is Luger, his wife, and his two children. He has a son and a daughter. Um, neither one of which become wrestlers. Thank God. Smart kids, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, I'm I'm reading your notes for the first time on this show. <laughs> I, I specifically read the rest of your notes and don't read the pay-per-views so that I don't know what you're going to say. Okay. And I'm trying not to laugh, so I will let you talk about this. <laughs> well, I'm laughing a lot. Um, yeah, my first bullet point was just a question, and is it plainly asking, was Luger's family held at gunpoint during that opening? I mean, they look pained doing this. Uh, I mean, they're, they're certainly not actors, so I understand that. The kids, I'll even give them a pass. But you can tell they're actually looking off camera for half the time, just looking at it. I guess it's Bruce Pritchard, you would, I would imagine, maybe Vince, trying to explain. Um, this is something that I didn't even think of. I'm going to just call this out because Wade actually brought it up. Isn't it ironic that his wife is Asian-American and he's doing this, they're doing this like real big feud against, of course, Yokozuna and, and Japan? I never even noticed that. I, I, I never thought of it, but I mean, Wade called it. I'm like, yeah, that's an interesting point. You would think Vince would be like, well, we can't do that, you know? Uh, no, I'm not surprised that he didn't do that. Yeah. Um, I was also curious. This is in, not in my notes, but would you have Luger do this? Like, to me, I feel like Vince, because like you never saw Hogan with his family. 
And maybe part of that is like just to keep the mystique and the aura of like who the Terry Bollea side of Hulk Hogan is, right? And maybe I don't know if there were like women fawning over Hulk Hogan, but maybe there were women fawning over Lex Luger. Like you're kind of ruining that mystique of that side of his character. You you brought up Hogan, and I would like to point out, um, we did see his family later, and unfortunately, none of us can now unsee it. <laughs> Touche. I'm starting to wonder if maybe Vince knew ahead of time how they would come off. <laughs> that didn't happen. Yeah, he knew. Uh, wasn't her name Linda as well? Yeah, it is. That's right. He knew how how she would. Yeah, whatever. We won't go there. Yeah, maybe. Uh, so then, then he cut Anybody. to the. Uh, oh, well, go ahead. What's that? No, go ahead. I was just say. Then they cut to you know the intro here. I don't know who this guy with the fake like toupee is singing, but he's terrible. He's absolutely awful. And everyone looks like they're also held at gunpoint too. By the way, while they're while he's singing. Uh, but yeah, this is. This is really a, a lame intro. This is a really just poor intro. WCW has been doing them a lot better, and that's not saying much either. What's What's interesting is I don't have a problem with them doing the like the national anthem and stuff, right? But for shows that are WrestleMania, I don't get why they don't just do it for the live crowd and they have to show it. Yeah, I don't know either. That's pretty rare, though, that they don't often do that back then, right? Like for WrestleMania, yes, they would, but other ones they didn't. They would just no, cut that's to the crowd. It's almost like they were trying hard to make this show feel more important than it is because they know what they booked. <laughs> yeah, good point. Um, um, and back back yeah, to okay. Luger for one second before we move on. You said it looks like he's held at gunpoint. Totally agree with that. Now that you bring it up. But I actually thought he looked uncomfortable with his own family. And I would like to point out that even in his own home with his own family, he has zero charisma as a baby face. And based on how much he hates his family. And being on camera, can somebody please tell me why they turned him again? Why isn't he? Yeah. A heel? I know. I know. You know, I, not to bring down the mood here. But seeing that, too, it's really sad for two things. One, I know he's in a better place today, by all accounts, but he went through a lot of crap. And, you know, Miss Elizabeth being one topic that we don't have to talk about. But like just seeing that visual of him and knowing was it like 10 years later, what else happens with him to him, with him to suit someone else in his life? Like just 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 a sad turn of events. Yeah, we also should bring up um, the way that he feels about his family in this this segment is very telling because uh, the relationship does not work out anyway. Right. Well, moving on, there is a graphical intro here, and it's kind of random. Like you're in what is this like a steel factory or something? There's yeah, just like. Yeah, like steam sounds or someone like hammering. I don't know. It's very strange. It doesn't go with anything that's happening here as far as the vibe or the, the theme goes. Uh, very random. 
Uh, again, I mentioned this earlier. Very sad to see this be uh, Bobby Heenan's last pay-per-view. Um, really random comments. This is, I guess, the last time we can do it. Did you ever notice that Vince calls him by his full name, like, all the time? <laughs> is that just a branding thing? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's because he doesn't want to seem chummy with him because he's a heel. Maybe, yeah. Like, he never says the brain. I mean, Monsoon would always call him just, you know, brain. Doesn't he do it with with Lawler, too, in this era? I I think you're right. I think it's like a consistent thing for Vince. Like, he... he, What about Jesse? He would say Jesse, though, right? Yeah, they were more chummy. They were a little bit more chummy. Just an odd comment. Uh, the other question that I had, because this is their table is next to Radio WF. You said a gorilla's there and Jim Ross was there. And then we see Gorilla and Bobby have like a heated, you know, moment here and then another one later. But was this like a way for them to fast track? I know there's always been dissension between the two, but never to this level. Like, did we either miss something or were they just fast tracking this feud to know where, where you know, we know where this goes? Uh, option B. I right? think that's exactly what it is. I always thought like I missed something, but I think it's just that. Yeah, I think they just like turned up the heat just to get it to get it going. Uh, last comment before we get to the first match. I just want one of those Survivor Series 93 shirts. So anyone out there who has one size large, I appreciate it. Interesting. I wonder if that's on eBay. Probably, probably. So our first match, we have the uh, I'm going to I'm going to start over. We have the heel team of Adam Baum, Rick Martel, Diesel and IRS against the babyface team of the one, two, three kid, Razor Ramon, Marty Jannetty and a mystery partner. The original person in this match is supposed to be Mr. Perfect Kurt Henning. However, the face team comes out all to individual entrances, by the way, which is somewhat interesting because the heel team all came out together. And I don't know how much we should read into this, (laughs) but the heel team actually uses Diesel's music. Yeah, that's true. Isn't IRS the... uh... Captain as well. Uh, technically, yes. Yeah. So I don't know. Again, I don't know if that matters, but I thought it was worth pointing out. And so the face team comes out. The last face to come out is, of course, Razor Ramon. And I don't know how you took what he said. But did you think it was a dig at Savage or I'm sorry, at Perfect? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, no, uh, that's exactly what it was. And that's why there's something fishy going on. And I can never get clarity on this. Now, let me ask you this. Is this speech one of the first examples of Vince speaking through a wrestler during a promo? That was my question. That was exactly what I was going to bring up. I think the answer is yes. Because, you know, Razor and Perfect were friends. 
they team together in AWA. They, you know, I think they were friendly. So I don't that's think Razor, Razor got the that. job. Yeah, that, there you go. Absolutely. On camera and off. Actually, so this is a Vince thing. I agree with you. There is something. This is why I was never happy with not knowing. I, I have no idea what happens here. They do a really good pivot. We're finally getting around to using this man, Randy Savage, who you and I have been talking about for about a year now. Just so happens it has to be at the expense of Mr. Perfect, which is ironic. I never thought about this. They're the ones that teamed up last year at Survivor Series. So, Oh, that is true. But no, to your question, absolutely. It's Vince needling him somehow and getting back in him. But again, for what I maybe just because he's. Off the road. Yeah, there's got to be something to it, right? I think so. I, it's just so strange. Maybe Wade, maybe his reporting is spot on. And and I just don't know if Kurt Henning really cared enough to like not make money. And thought, oh, well, I'll, I'll take the high road here and get out of the, the way of whatever's going to go down with WBF. I, I don't know if I buy that. Yeah, I don't either. Um, last thing I'll bring up before I turn it over to you here is that Razor does announce the replacement for Mr. Perfect, which is a partner that has almost as much machismo as him. Uh, the Macho Man Randy Savage. What do you think of Savage as a replacement here? Perfect. No pun intended. Perfect. Really. You gloss over the fact that perfect's not there. And then within two seconds, you're you're hitting Savage's music. And you're going to get the poppy, you know, he deserves. So I think, you know, everyone forgets about perfect immediately. And then last question, does adding Savage to the team make Marty Jannetty stick out even more for as worthless as he is. <laughs> yes. And yes. Although Savage and Jannetty are wearing similar gear, at least color wise. Uh, I have it on the background again. I'm watching it just to see uh, if there's anything else I pick up. One way that you can help us sustain our schedule of putting out podcasts throughout the week is by giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Just go to Apple Podcasts and look for our Wade Keller Processing Podcast and Wade Keller Processing Post Show and give us a five-star rating. We hope you think we've earned that score with our fast turnaround times and our quantity and quality of wrestling analysis throughout the week. So take a moment out for us and do us a favor and give us a five-star rating at Apple Podcasts. That helps us on search returns and helps us grow. And if you want, you can add a few comments about what you like about the programs in the comments section. Thank you so much. One thing I am picking up, did you notice With Razor that, looks uh, like the face he, team does win? Did I talk over you? I would have like missed sync there for a second. Oh, no, you're good. I was just saying the face team does win. So take it away. Oh, yeah. My apologies. Um, one thing I am noticing, I'm watching it back now. Razor has a pretty bad uh, sunburn. It looks like. They're in Boston. Where did he get that from? I don't know. And it's November. Like, if you're watching him when he's cutting the promo on Perfect, his face looks normal. But, like, below the neck, it's almost as if he, like, got makeup on his face. Because his face, the skin on his face looks pretty normal. But then, like, right below the neck is, like, reddish, red. 
Interesting. Yeah, it's weird. I will say that <clears throat> these this this is going to be a tough one to cover because most of these matches are just like matches within matches and nothing great really happens. Um, so these are just kind of random notes that I picked up throughout the thing. One thing is I really like Adam Bomb's green gear here, the rare green. Uh, really cool. I don't know if I see, you see him wear it too often. No, I like um, that one too. Really nice, yeah. The other thing about this, with that green gear in mind, this is very colorful. This is very, like, 1993 to me. Like, the Atom Bomb one. Razor's actually only wearing black, which is kind of a, a shame. But we have, you know, Janetti's there, the kid's there in his blue. Savage is always colorful. So it's just very 93 to me. Um, did you also pick up that, yes, Razor gets a good ovation, but the kid gets a really good ovation? Oh, yeah. Like, people really dig him. Totally agree. Yeah. Uh, so I had the same comment about perfect. We already talked about that. Um, did you notice there's someone in like, I guess the floor seats wearing a doink wig? And I was just <laughs> thinking like, if they, for some reason, they never caught on to that as a marketing gimmick. Like if that was more of a recent gimmick, that would have been they would have been sold everywhere. Oh yeah, they would have been like Lily dolls. They would have been all over. There the you place. go. Yeah. Uh, surprisingly, this is one of the better matches of the night. This might be one of my favorites of the night. And that's not saying a lot, by the way. We're, we'll get to that. But that's that's kind of it. Uh, the other thought that I had was, aside from maybe Razor and the model, there's really no built-in feuds here. Even if Perfect was around, it would. there really is no... Maybe Perfect and Diesel would have made sense, because they did kind of have a feud going. But there's not much happening here. Very strange. Um, the no, one, yeah, a, a big part of the nothing happening is the fact that all the heels are so thrown together, and like Diesel was doing stuff with Sean, and then that whole thing happened, so that kind of fell apart. And like logically, they would be on the same team, but they're not because of the whole mess. Mm-hmm. And Martel kind of has the feud with Razor, but he just came back got beat for the Intercontinental title and has been basically doing nothing. And then you have Adam Baum, who they're trying to push as like this new monster, but because he's like a new monster, all he's doing is winning squashes, so he's not in a real feud yet. So it, it's more of a symptom of, of what we've been talking about, about how bad the heel side of things is than anything else. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of Adam Baum, one thing that I did like, and it's early in the match where him and Razor face off, that was a fun showdown. It didn't last too long, but that was pretty fun. I, I, they could have done something, I think, with those two. Just like visually, it, there's a good there's a good size uh, matchup there. Um, I did like using Crush to distract Savage getting pinned, uh, especially because at this point that was not an overused trope. Like now you see that in wrestling all the time. Uh, that worked here. And then... Yes, it's harmless, but why Why in the world is Marty Jannetty one of the sole survivors here? Him and 123Kid, the kid's totally fine. But to have Razor go out, to have Savage go out, and you're left with Jannetty. Again, another reason, another proof point as to why the Survivor Series is a useless and meaningless pay-per-view. Yeah, I totally agree on that fact. Um 
real quick, the the heel team to me feels like the past and the future. Because you have Martell and IRS. Sure, yeah. You have Bomb and uh, Diesel. Um, there's a spot in here, I don't know if you noticed it, where Adam Bomb has a bloody mouth. I assume that's because when IRS tries to break up the pin and the guy pinning Bomb moves, IRS elbows him directly in the face. Oh, I didn't pick up on that, really. <laughs> And we're we're gonna get into the Janetti thing, but I get that it's Rainy Savage, but they should not have used Diesel for any of that. That was terrible. Agreed. Yeah, I guess you can get away with it because of Survivor Series. Because because again, this doesn't mean anything. But yeah, I agree with you. You're like ruining the mystique. And well, there's that, and also <clears throat> they don't end up doing anything with it. Like it would have worked really, really well. If there was a feud coming mm-hmm. with Savage and Diesel and they were going to go back to this later and then maybe Savage puts Diesel over. But you and I both know they have zero intent of doing anything with Savage that's not related to Crush. So this ends up being a giant waste of time. Agreed. Yeah. Most of this pay-per-view is a giant waste of time. <laughs> This this last part, I promise it is the only time I will bring this up in this review. I know I talk about it all the time and I'm sure everybody's sick of it, but I promise this is the only time I'll bring it up. IRS basically takes out Savage and Razor. They're hurting for heels more than I thought. (laughs) Yeah, isn't it funny that not in a good way, but like this is the start of an IRS revival almost. Because they don't have a choice. Right. But the next pay-per-view we talk about for this company, he's in a pretty uh, high-profile match. And yeah, it's not ideal. And then the last thing, Janetti getting the winning fall is literally a joke. Like, what, what did they accomplish? You said it's harmless. I don't think it is harmless. Because you... If they had eliminated Janetti and Kid was left by himself and beat the two guys, how much does that put over Kid and everything he's been doing and the underdog thing they've been building with him for months? Sure. Yeah, you're right. I, I'll say it's harmless in the sense that this pay-per-view, like Survivor Series means nothing, but you're right. You're right. Because doesn't isn't the last person pinned Adam Bomb? Yes. Yeah. And it's a quick roll up out of nowhere. And you could have done the exact same finish without kid tagging out. Like, cause kid rolls up. Um, it's not IRS. It's um, Rick Martell. It's Martell. Yeah. He rolls up Martell and then immediately runs over and tags Janetti. Janetti gets in and rolls up Adam bomb. It's a much better finish if Kid rolls up Martell and then Adam Bomb runs in to attack him and Kid ducks under, rolls him up too, and wins. It's a much yeah, better finish uh, that way. I'm with you there. I would definitely be fine with that. So my problem with it is you <clears throat> gave up a prime opportunity 
to put over a young guy in an impressive way to give a win to Marty Jannetty. Of all I, know, I know, I know. I get, I get to your point. The pay-per-view does not matter. I get it. It doesn't change the fact that it's stupid. I'm with you. And by the way, I'm just looking at age because I like to play that game. He was 33 here. So, again, he's not a young, a young dude. He's not like he still has. I'm not saying he's past his prime age wise, but he's it's not like he is 28 years old. And, OK, the Rockers didn't work out, but we still have another decade of trying to make Janetti work. Well, and and going a step further than that. There's no logical place for Janetti to go after this, whereas there is for Kid. Yeah, and as a reminder, I think the last time we saw Janetti on pay-per-view, he got squashed by Ludwig Borga. Exactly. So. Random comment, just because he just got eliminated. Um, I'm watching it again. Diesel doesn't look that big here. I mean, he's a big dude, but. In 93, he doesn't look that big. He's tall. Yeah, even not. then, he, I know he's not as built, so that's probably what's doing it for me, but that yeah, maybe that's, that's making it look like he's not as tall. Yeah, that could be. An optical illusion, I guess. After that, we have the promo setting up the hearts against Shawn Michaels and his knights. As far as the promo goes, you talked about the retcon yeah. that they did. And this is like the literal example of what you were talking about. Isn't this terrible? Oh, it it's it's insulting the, to anyone who's watched any programming up until now. That's a good way to put it. It is insulting because it's so blatant. Like, yeah. there is nothing subtle about the retcon thing at all. No, nothing. It's it's really bad. And, and Sean doesn't do I don't think I'll say this. I don't think anyone could have done a good job here that that wasn't named Jerry Lawler. But Sean's not doing a good job. It's just hokey and dumb. And, and it, it I think insulting is the best word because it's just dumb. It's just, I feel like an idiot watching this because we all knew this was not who the feud was built around. It had nothing to do with Shawn Michaels. I actually thought he did the best with what he was given. Maybe. Yeah. Like I said, I don't, there's no other name short of Jerry Lawler that I can put in there. Uh, like, and, do you think they should have just pivoted to something else? Like, I don't even know what they would do though. We I think they were too far along in the process. Yeah. They, they kind of were. What do you what do you think if they just like I don't even know I I, I was what I was going to say like what if the hearts broke down before the match even started and, and they, they had like a reason for them not getting along and maybe that's where the Owen thing starts. So you like almost like pull the match from the card, which I know is not ideal. I get it, but then you have to find a way to fill the time. Yeah. Well, and you can have find problem. four more doinks. <laughs> Not that hard. <laughs> or I guess eight more, really. The other thing, too, and we're going to talk about this more in a second, but because of where this ends up and because of the angle they do here, I'm not like. 
this is one of those situations where I don't necessarily want to do something else and erase this because I'm worried that the angle doesn't turn out the same way. <clears throat> Good point. It's like yeah. a weird butterfly effect thing where I want to keep some of what we had. You're right. They probably would have uh, walked away from where we end up going. Yeah. Knowing Vince. And that's part of the part of the problem. Um, after the Michaels interview, they have a comedian. Uh, it's Ray Combs. I don't understand why they chose to do this, but I love a good Martha Hart joke. So it's all good. <laughs> Is it Martha or what's what's uh, Brett's mother's name? Isn't it Martha? What is, I thought that was uh, Owen's uh, wife, Martha. Oh right. yeah, it is. What's oh Helen? Helen. Yeah, Helen? I see. I blanked too. I forgot. Helen. Yeah, her yeah. name's Helen. Helen. Yeah. Every Sunday night, catch Wrestling Night in America on PWTorchDailyCast.com, hosted by me, PW Torch columnist Greg Parks. Each week, I'll welcome a co-host from the Torch family to discuss the big shows in pro wrestling, taking your calls and emails. You can listen live most weeks beginning at 8 p.m. Eastern. On Sunday nights with a WWE or Impact pay-per-view, we go on the air at the conclusion of that pay-per-view. You can listen live, but of course the full show is available for download on demand anytime shortly after it airs. Visit PWTorchDailyCast.com and click the live stream link to find the next scheduled live show link. Search PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or your podcast app to subscribe. Wrestling Night in America every Sunday, PWTorchDailyCast.com. Um, jumping. So there's two, a few things here. We already talked about some of what I wanted to get off my chest, but I hate this match so much because of what we just talked about. I just super boring. It never made sense to me. Even the night thing is just false flat. You know, we learned just earlier in the, uh, the issue rather Terry Funk would have been one of the nights. I'd like to think that makes it cool if that went through, but I also think that's extremely random too. Like what would they have done there? I don't even know if people would have known who that was. If he was unmasked, at least the majority of people, um, it's just meaningless. The night, the whole night thing is completely meaningless. The ending of the match is the only good thing that comes of this. This is very important in history to jumpstart one of their best feuds ever. That aside, this is just just bad. And I'd like to think I'd like I, I've never really thought about this part of it, but what do you think would have happened if Lawler was here in the match and the Owen ending happened? Do you think he would have like sided with Owen? Do you think there would have been a pair there at some point or would the Lawler thing just move on separately, and then this Owen and Brett thing move on as as we we all know it did. I think everything happens exactly the same, with the exception of the finish. Um, Sean walks out to eliminate himself, and the Hearts win. I think instead, Lawler taps out to the Sharpshooter. The other mm. Hearts taunt him. He runs away, and then we get everything we got anyway. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, you, I think it's that simple. 
Do you see Lawler goading Owen in the weeks to follow or something along those lines? Uh, maybe, maybe he's involved, but the thing is, is that trying not to look ahead, but sure, sure. We do get like the angle that leads into rumble 94. So I don't know if Lawler would have been involved past this point, because if the finish goes as I think it does. I think that's pretty much the end of it. Yeah. Because Lawler got humiliated by Brett and his family. Yeah, that seems right. I mean, I think he would just maybe make comments on commentary, but that's probably where it ends. Yeah, which is basically what we got for the next decade anyway. Yeah. Yeah, true, true. A uh, question I have for you. Have they made a Bret Hart figure with this ring gear yet? No. Um, what's really funny about you saying that is in my notes, I think this is the worst Bret Hart attire of all time. It's pretty awful. I, I do not disagree. And a guy who I literally like everything he's ever worn with the exception of this. And I don't understand why his asshole brothers just couldn't put on tights. Right. Exactly. Why is he bending to them? That's the be bending problem. to him. Yeah, absolutely agree. Um, it's not they, like he even wore this in Calgary, you know. It's not oh, like yeah. it's a throwback. If it was a throwback, that's different. But he wore trunks. And on the figure question, I I never saw anybody ask for one of these until <laughs> until recently. Yeah, because um, AEW released the Owens. Yes. Yeah. And I have a feeling that everybody wants this Brett so they can pop the head off and make an Owen custom. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Um, That's my assumption. Another question that crossed my mind is this Brett's normal attire, but he just wears tights over the bottoms. Do you think it's always been cut off? I don't know. That's a good question. You know what I'm trying to. Yeah. Like I, I, I just thought about that while I was watching this. It is pretty cool, though, that this is the first time we're seeing Owen wear what he ends up wearing for at least the style that he wears for, like, basically the rest of his career. Yeah, I like that, too. It's kind of the beginning of it all. Um, Yeah, I mean, uh, a few other notes. WWF 93 in a nutshell. We don't have enough heels, so we dress up a jobber, Barry Horowitz, and uh, Greg Valentine in masks. That's what we're doing here. Did you like how Stu was wearing a Pistons jacket in the pre-match interview, but he walks out with a Bruins one? Both of which make zero sense, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Well, they are in Boston. That No, no, no. That makes sense. But he's from Canada. And if I'm not mistaken, don't the Maple Leafs hate the Bruins? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I mean, why he's just playing to sense. the crowd. But the fact that he has two of those style jackets, I I think they're the starter jackets. It's just funny in general. But the Pistons play in Detroit. I know, I know. I know. Uh, last comment here. Um, just to think Bruce nearly had the Owen slot here in the Brett feud. Oh. Thank God we all dodged that bullet. But oh. yeah, this is just... Uh, 
I hate it. I really hate this match. And what did we say how long it goes? It ends up going uh, 23 minutes. So it's actually a little shorter than the intro, but still. It, by the way, it's it's mostly Bruce and Keith, for those who haven't seen this match. Um, yeah. So we talked about the the tights and all that. By the way, I blame Bruce. You brought up why they wouldn't acquiesce to Brett. It's Bruce. Um, this match is so confusing to me. I hate Bruce Hart. I do not care about Keith at all. And I don't know who any of the Knights are, nor should anyone in the building care. With all that said, Brett, Owen, and Sean are great. Yeah, that's the really the, the crop. I feel like Keith is such a nice brother, though. He just He's like the nice one in the family. Yeah, I mean, I guess. I mean, I have no proof other than 1993 Survivor Series, but <laughs> he just seems like a nice guy. <laughs> also, real quick, I'm again watching back just like live reactions here. The Red Knight, who is Greg Valentine, he looks like he's lost some weight. So good for him. Medusa made him. <laughs> that's right. That's right. almost forgot about that. I know we touched on this a little bit before, but I, I want to point out Sean was put in such a crappy situation. And I actually think he made the most of it and looked like a star. I don't get some of the hate for him here. And and I give him credit because this payday must have been really good for for him to sell for Bruce and Keith. Because true, I, I will true. be super duper honest and tell you I would not have done that. True. Yeah, very good point. By the way, uh, I'm going to autocorrect myself. The red, the blue knight is Greg Valentine, and no, he has not lost weight. <laughs> so I was, I was wrong there. <laughs> um, we talked about the booking already. Um, again, the end of this, we we probably should should run through it a little bit. So for anybody who hasn't seen it, <clears throat> this is phase two of what becomes the Brett Owen feud. Um, phase one was Owen and Bruce's appearance. I think that was uh, SummerSlam where they got involved and were sitting at ringside for the Jerry Lawler, Bret Hart match, which is really the beginning of the Brett Owen feud in a lot of ways. Anyway, they do some stuff on raw between now and then, but they end up in this situation the only person on Team Heart that gets pinned is Owen. Right. And he, yeah. goes, and he goes to the back. And obviously, the Hearts win when Sean walks out. And they celebrate. And Owen comes back out and yells at Brett and mentions that it always has to be about him. Um, he argues with all of his brothers, they all leave the ring. And Owen poses by himself as the hearts look on. Owen says, not into the microphone or anything, but it is audible on the pay-per-view if you watch it, that it should be about him. And basically, he's going to be the star of the family, not Brett or his other two brothers, who, by the way, aren't stars, but besides the point. So this is really like the second step 
and in in my opinion, that alone makes all of the things that we don't like worth it. And it's one of those things where I I think if you sit down and rank like the best stories this company has ever told, this is on that list. Which makes this match important, even though we hate it. Yes. Yeah, you're exactly. right. You're right. Absolutely. And, and it's an unfortunate side effect because of a legal issue. Um, but the end result is okay. So in a lot of ways, I'm willing to look the other way. It's just kind <clears> of... <throat> that's fair. That's fair. It really makes their 94. Like, their oh, next yes. year of pay-per-views yeah. is built off of this, really. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. And this also leads into uh, phase three of the feud, which is my personal favorite part, but more on that when we get to Royal Rumble 94. You know, it's interesting. The Knights costumes are all a little bit different. Like, like obviously, color-wise, they're different. But they're not even designed similarly. Oh, no, I know. It's, it it's looks like they're all thrown together. Yeah, yeah. On on that note, the only other question I had about this before we, we move on, and the next match we don't have to spend a lot of time on, so we'll make up our time there. But um, do you think they should have done something other than knights once they switched out Sean. Yeah, that, yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, something, something's got to be different here, but what would you have done? Well, he doesn't have the hearts yet, so they can't be giant hearts. Even though that would have been really funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, Based on how he's wearing like cow print, I guess they could have been cows, but that <laughs> borders on or like cowboys. The, the silliness. Yeah, cowboys would have worked. Something. Yeah, put and bandanas over their faces. We, <laughs> we already get the silliness later with the doing thing. The the end result is it probably should have been different, but I don't know what. So I guess knights is fine. I'm kind of surprised. I know you said you'd only say it once and you said it in the first match, but I'm kind of surprised you haven't brought up the fact that this company is so devoid of heels. I guess I actually brought it up earlier, but they had to bring three random guys and just put them in masks like they can't even fill out a, a, a team. I think if if you've ever heard the original idea for this. It was. All of the the knights would be someone, right? And they would progressively get unmasked, and each unmasking would be bigger than the last, right? Yeah, yeah, Culminated yeah. with with Terry Funk. Obviously, somewhere along the line, probably well before the Funk incident, honestly, that kind of died. So this is what we got instead. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I I'm trying not to kill everybody with the heel thing, but it, it's just I know, I it's, know. it's it's but this is a perfect the biggest the problem perfect in this example. company. 
So agreed. What do you think? What we didn't talk about this really. What do they do with Funk if he's here and he gets unmasked? Is it a one a one off? Probably. I think you're right. I think that's just that's it. Thanks for coming. Here's your payday. Yeah, and the setting for Funk is weird too because it's it's Boston, not right. Texas. It, it's I don't know. It's just an There's, odd. We know like historically. Behind the scenes, Funk and the Hearts, there's like, you know, some camaraderie there. But like, no, there's nothing on camera up until this point that was like a Funk and a Heart feud. Like, that was historic. Oh, no, not even a no. little bit. So it's like, what what, what was the point? Anyway, it didn't happen, so whatever. But it's just very strange. You don't have to wait for the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Show to find out what I thought of Monday Night Raw and SmackDown each week. You can check out my reports that are updated live throughout Raw and SmackDown at pwtorch.com. My written report will tell you what's happening in detail in case you missed the show. And it'll also analyze key segments and give my random thoughts and quips on what I am watching as it airs. So check it out every Monday night and Tuesday night at pwtorch.com. That also applies to WWE pay-per-views. I cover those live at PWTorch.com with a detailed written report with star ratings. And of course, you can find other TV reports from other contributors to PW Torch, such as NXT, ROH Impact Wrestling, and more. Check it out, PWTorch.com, your first stop for TV and pay-per-view written reports. So... The next match on the card, the Heavenly Bodies defeat the Rock and Roll Express for the Smoky Mountain Wrestling Tag Team Titles. Speaking of not having enough heels, um, I I really didn't write much about this. Before this match, though, there is a Mania 10 commercial. And I would like to point out that Mania 10 has one of the best logos of all the WrestleManias. It is a good one, yeah. I must have missed that one. I don't see it. I'm scrolling through now. They also have um, Gorilla and JR do the commentary on this match. I don't know if Vince had to talk to McDivitt about his indictment or what <laughs> the deal was. Um, but it's it's actually fun to hear JR call a Smoky Mountain match. He like oddly belongs with a match like this. So it's, it's kind of cool from that standpoint, but that's literally all my notes on this and it has nothing to do with the actual match. So go ahead. Yeah. I agreed with Jim Ross comment. Um, yeah, I had the same exact comment. They had such a small roster here that they had three guys in masks in one match and four guys from another promotion in this match. Uh, I did kind of feel bad for them, though, because the match was technically fine. The crowd could not care less. This was clearly the bathroom break match. Um, This also belonged on a WCW show. This is not WWF at all. Um, And even though that uh, Jim Ross was the better fit, I kind of do wish Vince was on play by play because I just want to know what he was thinking. Like, how did he try to sell this? He probably got all our names wrong, too. Would have been kind of fun. You know, um, I, yeah. I was joking about the indictment thing, but you may have just uncovered the real reason he didn't call this. No idea what the hell is going on. 
Yeah, he doesn't yeah. know who any of these guys are. It's got to be it. Um, speaking of uh, the four of these guys, the Rock and Roll Express, they're in their mid to late 30s. I looked it up. I think one's 37, one's 35. But they look like they're 50, at least. They always they did, did. They did not age well at all. Yeah, you're right. But they they look like they were older in the 80s, but like it's also fit the time. Now they just look like they're 20 years past. You it's see, like once 1990 hit, they were like so old looking. Don't you ever think it's funny that they were like thought of as like heartthrobs? Yes. Oh, yeah. Because every time I've seen them, even at the height, I was like, why would they be heartthrobs? They look 40 years older than all the girls. <laughs> like what kind of weird? Like I always thought that was weird. Well, they didn't have HD back then, so. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be the reason. Um, the only thing I have here, aside from that, is this is really a coup for Cornette to get his promotion this much exposure. This might be the swan song, though. I don't know if they're really. Maybe they're on like a roll here and there. I think this is like the biggest thing that they do. The last big thing they do, at least. But good for him, really. He's really milking this from uh, SummerSlam and now Survivor Series. Not a big, uh, not a bad deal at all. And he's getting oh, paid yeah. he, by. Uh, he got know. his money's worth. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the next match on the show. Actually, before we get into that, there's a video from Superstars. Well, they where they show. Um, Doink. And he's calling out. Uh, Bam Bam Bigelow. Uh, is that Matt Bourne? I had the exact same comment. So I think it was because when you watch, there's the post-match Doink appears on the the video screen as well in, in Survivor Series pay-per-view. And that's definitely not Matt Bourne. So oh, I'm no, pretty that's sure Apollo. That's Ray Apollo. Right. I'm pretty sure that was Matt Bourne on the Superstars recap, which I, I assume was his last appearance. I Yeah, I think you're right. Because I literally have in my notes that Okay, the second one is definitely Ray Apollo. Yeah. But now that you say it, that probably is. It must be, yeah. Anyway, this, this match ends up being Bam Bam Bigelow, Bastion Booker, and, and the Head Shrinkers, who have a promo ahead of time. I would like to point out that the Head Shrinkers are eating turkey, during the promo, along with Afa. And Daddy Uso is laughing the entire beginning of <laughs> the the promo. And Bam Bam Bigelow calls Bastion Booger one of the best wrestlers in the company. So clearly the drug problem had already started. <laughs> oh, so sad. Um, anyway, they end up taking on the doinks, which does not include actual doink at all, but it is four wrestlers dressed as doinks, two of which are the bushwhackers. The other two are men on a mission. And I would like to read my note about that. 
Uh, Patrick, would you think less of me if I told you that Doinks on a Mission is a guilty pleasure? <laughs> That's not a bad name. I'm okay with that. <laughs> because Viscera as Doink is hilarious. He does look funny, yes. Because he's he already has kind of a small head on a big guy body. And so then you like add a putting, green wig. Exactly. It's it's probably the best part of that match. Just looking at him. So take it away, Patrick. Well, I don't have a ton of notes because this is one of the worst. This might be one of the worst matches they've ever put on pay-per-view. I mean, there's been some stinkers out there, but this might be the worst one up till now. But I have my first note is the Doink character should have died this night, but in many ways it actually did. <laughs> really That's the true. end of the character. Yeah. Or, you know, as far as I'm concerned. And then I do have that note. I said I couldn't tell if Matt Bourne was the doink shown in the recap video before the match. But then again, later on, that was definitely uh, definitely him. Uh, and then my, <laughs> my other comment here, do we really need to review this trash? Because this is really what <laughs> it was just it's just a shame. I mean, the thing that stinks about this is because you know, two things that come to mind. One. I said the Doink character's dead now. And then I think, too, Bam Bam should not be... Like, this is not what you want to see Bam Bam doing. No, we've talked about that a bunch of times. Yeah. The company needs heels, and you have Bam Bam, and they don't do anything with it. He's just stuck here. It's, it's yeah, it's very strange. Bush, Booger, you know, he's useless. He, that's fine. The Head Shrinkers, I think you can get away with it. I'm not happy about it, but... It doesn't harm them, I guess, is my point. But Bam Bam, I think it just hurts. Would it have been better if they swapped Booger and Adam Bomb? Um, Booger and Adam Bomb or Bam Bam and Adam Bomb? No, Booger and Adam Bomb. To put Adam Bomb in this match? Yeah. But then you're making him a fool? Uh, that's a good point. So I don't I don't think so. Booker's like maybe the most perfect and the Bushwhackers are like the perfect people to be in this match. The rest just stinks. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think of a way to get maybe you swap Bam Bam and Rick Martell. Yeah, that'd be fine. I like Rick Martell too much, but yeah, who else do you I don't know. Who do you put Bam Bam like? I don't know. IRS, like, I don't know. I like Rick Martell too much. So I do. You know, whatever. Oh, I think he's great. I love Rick Martell. No, I like the model. Yeah. Just not at this point. Like, yeah, I know. It's, he's different here. But I will say, though, again, watching this back now in the background, the fans are really into this doink team. I think they yeah, get it. the Bushwhackers. Yeah, and then one when Men on a Mission come out, I mean, man, they are hopping. So I'll give him, I'll give him that. I mean, that's all I can give him. This is just dumb. So what do you think the kayfabe like? What did Doink come up to each of them and like pay them off? Like, here I bought these wigs for you. I'm going to pay you, or like you do the match and I get a cut of it. Like, what? How does this work out for him? The Bushwhackers volunteered. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. 
But yeah, he totally had to pay men on a mission, especially because of what we know that Mabel becomes. He definitely had to pay them. Because it, it yeah. ends up turning out Mabel's an asshole. <laughs> yeah, not too. Well, about a year from now, give or take. And the Bushwhackers are just, this is like a one-off. Maybe they do some house shows, but I think they're here and gone, and then I know they pop back up again at some point, but this is like their only appearance this year. Yeah, I think you're right. I, th- I don't think they do anything else. Unless they're in the 94 Rumble. I don't think they are. They're in 95, though. Oh, yeah, they are. You're right. They're such a weird... Speaking of people who just come and go with, like, no real reason behind any of it. No, exactly. I thought about them a lot more over the years, and I do respect them because I know they went from, like, bloody brawls before WF, and that's just making money, and they probably made the most money they ever did just being a goof tag team. So I respect them for just making their money. Yeah, and figuring out how to do it. Yeah. I, I always thought they were like the predecessor to George the Animal Seal because he was kind of the goof. And then he left and then they came on board and they, they were like just like the goof opening tag team. Who took over after them? The oddities? <sighs> hmm. Maybe, but that was super short lived. Yeah, who did take over after them? It doesn't have to be a team necessarily. Like, like, hmm. Does Gilmore count? I would count him, but I don't know if he was the direct predecessor. I'm trying to think of like the clean link, you know. We'll have to work on that as the yeah, show. yeah. It's a good one. The next match and our main event. Lex Luger, The Undertaker, and the Steiner Brothers defeat Yokozuna, Ludwig Borga, Jacques Rougeau, and Evil Crush. Crush, of course, appearing. I think this is the first match he has as, like, judo master face paint. Maybe. Yeah, at least on the, maybe there's a raw, but yeah, this is like one of the first big ones. Yeah, I don't have a ton of notes on this. Like we'll we'll get into it as we go. Yeah, yeah, no, this is this but, is like like Survivor Series matches are not easy to talk about, you know. But one of the things that did strike me just a few years ago, the WCW had the entire All Americans team on their roster. Luger, Taker, and the Steiner brothers. Uh, three of the four I get. Um, the WF dug up the Undertaker. They did. So I'm very confused oh. as to how he worked in <laughs> You meant literally dug up. Okay, yes. Well, his former uh, human body, I think, worked for WCW. Oh, you mean when he was alive? Yes, exactly. Before he died. Got it. Yes, got yes. it. Got it. Yeah. 
Thanks for downloading today's show. Take it to the next level with a VIP membership. Get shows like this, the Wade Keller Pro Sync Podcast, Wade Keller Pro Sync Post Show, and the PW Torch Daily Casts on our PW Torch VIP podcast feed with ads and plugs removed from the shows for a streamlined listening experience. And also hear the VIP exclusive shows that I host with Rich Fan and Todd Martin. Everything with Rich Fan and The Fix with Todd Martin's signature VIP series that you're missing out without a VIP membership. So go VIP here in 2022 and enjoy all the benefits, all the bonus content, and the ad-free listening experience. PWTorch.com slash GoVIP. So one question that came to my mind with Tatanka and Pierre being written out storyline wise of this match, do you think they got paid for this? Because especially Tatanka, he's like you said, he's on the cover. He's on the shirt still that they're selling. He's on the cover of the, I guess, the VHS. I forget if they changed it by then. He's on the program. Pierre, maybe not as much, but still like he was booked in the match. Are they getting like a portion of pay? Tatanka's probably getting royalties. I would imagine Pierre's not getting anything. That stinks. I mean, I I would imagine that's how it worked. I like Taker and Crush in their spots. Like, just Crush. This might be the best Crush iteration of Crush, by the way. (laughs) <laughs> is it? I mean, I, I mean, this moment in time might be the best crush because he's just turned heel. He looks a lot better. He actually looks in great shape as the Kona crush. He was like he had a lot of just extra weight on him. He was never toned is what I'm trying to say. He oh, looks. No, no, no. I think this is the best crush. My favorite crush is the one that gets fired from the nation. <laughs> I thought you were going to say fired from WWF for good. Oh, no, because <laughs> I still had to put up with him when he was in Chronic. True, true. Because get it, bro? Chronic needs <laughs> marijuana. <laughs> bro. You know that's what he said. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. He's still trying to tell someone on the bus. These days, so that same story. It was I just so I just envisioned him taking bro. the boss. Bro, we had the best ratings, bro. No one else understood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's your problem, Vince. No one understood. Um, no, this is definitely the best crush. I actually even like this crush because he's wearing like different colors. Like he still has like the Kona crush color scheme going on it's like breaking through a little bit yeah with the black i i did like the gear yeah and even in like the backstage interview they did he had like a yellow version which was kind of cool although i don't i don't dig the big c on his chest like okay we get a guy your your name's crush it starts with c you don't remember that that's one of those names that vince was so proud of like, oh, my God. Yeah. Don't you remember when we covered like his baby face, like breakout? Like yes. we were talking about like watching episodes of Superstars and it's like, wow, they really believe in this guy. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, no, they do not anymore. <laughs> but didn't take long. Like Vince just loved saying crush. Yeah. Like he just loved that. He thought he was so clever. <laughs> 
So clever. He stayed there for another decade, seemingly, and had the same name. You know why I hate this crush so much? And we're not there yet. But I think I hate him so much because of all the crushes. He is the dumbest of the crushes because he allowed himself to get tied up in a thing he wasn't really tied up in. Well, we didn't get there yet. I was just saying this moment in time crush is the best crush. But you're not wrong. You're not. I, I thought you meant the entirety. No, of this specific one tonight. Got tonight. <laughs> Got it. Um, by the way, did you see? Did you pick up on the Ludwig Borga like almost like killing Rick Steiner? Steiner comes off the top for like a crossbody, and he comes off so strongly. I guess I'd say with such force. Borga is supposed to turn him into a power slam. But it really doesn't turn into a power slam. And somehow he just like drops him seemingly on his head. Uh, looks like Rick Steiner like hurt his knee too. I wish I could believe that the Steiners complained about Ludwig Borga being like dangerous. And mm-hmm. Vince said, wow, these guys are calling somebody dangerous. He must be really bad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But you and I and everybody listening to this knows that Vince didn't respect the Steiner's opinion at all. So that definitely did not happen. Yes. Yeah, it's very true. Very true. Um, But yeah, I don't have a ton of notes here. Jacques Rougeau is phenomenal, though. In this always was. He's so good. He's just ages so well. So great. Um. Did you notice this is a really random like this is how boring this pay-per-view is for me. The tag team act, the teams actually change corners in this <laughs> match. Like they're in different like they they switch different like caddy corner basically where the other teams were on the opposite corners. I've never noticed that. <laughs> you know, you just got to say it. Uh this is really what it is. Um I uh, was also okay with Savage coming back. I like at least they tied back to that. He came out to distract Crush, which makes sense. Um, but did you also notice when Savage comes out, he's wearing a bandana? A very rare instance of him wearing a bandana in '93. It's like the old school Macho Man. Yeah, and he brings it back in WCW, though, doesn't he? Maybe I don't know. He wears a bandana in the NWO. Oh, okay, yeah, that that version of him, sure, sure. Okay, I'm thinking of like still the colorful version. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know. No, because he's Mr. Cowboy Hat at that point. Right. Yeah. Uh, I do like the fact that they didn't have Taker tag in until the end. That was really cool because by the time he does does get tagged, he gets a great crowd reaction, and then of course the very short lived showdown with Yokozuna is awesome. And makes perfect sense. Makes also. perfect sense. Yeah. It was just so well booked here. That's one thing, especially trying to pivot away from Luger. Like that was really smart. Um, this is probably, as I talked about crush, this is like his night. Borga that he was trying to be pushed here. Cause he, him and Luger are the last two in the ring. Borga looks completely gassed by the end of it though. And I just think this might've been the night. Vince was like, okay, this guy can't do it. Well, he looks awful. He looks sloppy and he looks like completely out of breath. It's also funny that he's out of breath because it's a tag match and he didn't really do much. Yeah, exactly. That's pretty much it. I mean, 
we didn't talk about Borger too much tonight, but he's just just complete slop. He's just like this flabby guy that Vince thought looked big. I mean, I guess in the steroid era, he would have looked bigger, but we had to all pretend he was like a big badass. Yeah, I know. It's a. That's the best way to put it is like, like we all have to pretend. Yeah. <clears throat> but again. It. It's a it's a sign of their biggest issue, and that's what Borga is. It, you can't turn everybody and not have a plan for it. And it just. I don't know. That's why we are here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it is interesting. I mean, of course, you're going to have Luger go over here, but to pin Borga clean is also kind of telling. Oh, like yeah. They didn't try to hide that anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, no. Not, and they, they didn't even give him an out. No, no. So, uh, yeah, sorry. Go for it. The show does end with the second straight year of Santa. And it does turn out that Santa prefers Bret Hart to Lex Luger, <laughs> just like everybody else. <laughs> Perfect ending, yes. <laughs> um, as far as the reviews go, from the readers, we got a 4.1. Uh, the best match on the show being the Rock and Roll Express against the Heavenly Bodies. That got 42% of the vote. And the opening match with Razor Ramon's team against IRS's team got 38% of the vote. I would agree. I think the opener is actually better, um, but more because of the fact that I like Razor and, and Kid and Savage than a match for tag team titles that aren't even recognized by this company. Yeah, and you're you're, you're right, and you're taking out of it too with all the fans like just not caring at all. Yeah, exactly. They, they're not invested in the slightest. Um, the worst match on the show was the doinks. I guess from an in-ring perspective, that's fine because it's it's true. But I don't know. I think it's fun. And I like doinks on a mission. <laughs> that's a great name. <laughs> no, uh, th- there are some new figures they should come out with. Oh, I would love a, a right? maple doink. That would be great. That would be awesome. They could sell the whole four pack. With that said, um, one of the like most underrated figures in my collection is Mabel. Like it's oh, really? just really, really well done. Is it the Men on a Mission version or what is it? Uh, no, it's uh, SummerSlam '95. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. But it is just, like I said, it's just ridiculously well done for what it is. I gotta, I'll look that one up. All right. So our columnist scores, we have Mark Madden with a 4.0, Bruce Mitchell with a 4.0, Chris Savisa with a 2, Carly Gill with a 4, and Wade Keller with a three and a half that gives us an average score of a three and a half from the columnists. So Patrick, 
the first question is, is this worse than Battle Bowl? No, it is not worse than Battle Bowl. Battle Bowl is one of the worst pay-per-view I've ever seen. This is not one of the worst pay-per-views, but this is an extremely boring pay-per-view. I'm going to give this a three and a half. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, I'm going to go a little higher because I think I gave Battle Bowl a two and a half or a three. Okay, yeah. I, I will give it a four. Again, I think the doinks are fun, and the Owen Hart segment might be worth the four on its own. And and I like Razor. I don't like how they eliminate him, but whatever. That is odd. We we kind of glossed over that. He just gets counted out, right? Well, he gets hit in the face. IRS gets eliminated, mm-hmm. and then IRS hits him in the face with the briefcase, and Razor has like a bloody nose or lip or something. And then he gets counted out. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that was weird. That was weird. <clears throat> it's it's weird that, you know, kind of thinking back all the outcomes of the match. Luger goes over, of course, like that's one of your big guys. Brett and his family go over. Um, you have the tag match, which is nothing. You have the four doinks go over. But then you have again the weirdest one all night was Janetti. Janetti survives. For no reason. No reason. That's the outlier. And, you, of course, like we just said, and Janetti survives in lieu of Razor surviving. Which is very strange part of it. Yeah. 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 So there you have it. So you landed on a four, you said? Yeah. OK, I was kind of on the fence, so not terribly off. I I could go back and watch this again just for nostalgia purposes, not because of match quality. That's like one of those examples that like, oh, this is fun, you know, have it on the background. Yeah, I agree with that. Battle Bowl 93, never again. Oh, no, no, no. That again, that's I think that's worse than Starcade 91. I think I'm with you. Yeah. Which is saying something. All right. Anything to add before we get into a preview for next week? Uh, I don't think so. Do it. All right. So our cover story is a torch talk with Jerry the King Lawler, and he will talk about his future and the future of the USWA. We also have some more news on Owen and Bret Hart. The torch triple play, as well as our normal WWF and WCW Newswire sections. And with all of that out of the way, Patrick, how can everybody find you outside of our wonderful show? Yeah, outside of this wonderful show, as you note, I'm on the torch every Friday covering AW Rampage. And of course, you can catch us here on the 90s Passcast. And please email us questions, comments, thoughts, reactions to what we, we have on our show at torchpasscast at gmail.com. And I'm Alex McDonald, the Alt Perspective Reporter for SmackDown every Friday night on PWTorch.com. And as Patrick said, you can reach us, TorchPassCastGmail.com. Survivor Series memories, thoughts on Terry Funk. Did Santa actually like Brett better than Lex Luger? TorchPassCastGmail.com. This has been the 90s Passcast, and we will talk to all of you next week.
You don't have to wait for the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Show to find out what I thought of Monday Night Raw and SmackDown each week. You can check out my reports that are updated live throughout Raw and SmackDown at pwtorch.com. My written report will tell you what's happening in detail in case you missed the show. And it will also analyze key segments and give my random thoughts and quips on what I am watching as it airs. So check it out every Monday night and Tuesday night at pwtorch.com. That also applies to WWE pay-per-views. I cover those live at pwtorch.com with a detailed written report with star ratings. And of course, you can find other TV reports from other contributors to PW Torch, such as NXT, ROH Impact Wrestling, and more. Check it out, pwtorch.com, your first stop for TV and pay-per-view written reports. PW Torch VIP membership doesn't just give you ad-free access to these shows and a ton of other VIP-exclusive podcasts throughout the week, but you also gain access to our unmatched, vast library of wrestling history, our contemporaneous week-to-week coverage through our Pro Wrestling Torch Weekly newsletters dating back to the late 1980s, along with streaming and download access to hundreds of retro radio shows from the 1990s, including some of my interviews with wrestling's top newsmakers in the 90s, and also our podcast library dating back to the year 2003. There's no larger longer-spanning pro wrestling podcast library than that that comes with a PW Torch VIP membership, now approaching 20 years of podcasting. Go VIP and dive into our post-pay-per-view roundtables, our coverage of some of your favorite eras of wrestling, top-name long-form interviews, and special format podcasts that we've done throughout the years. PWTorch.com slash GoVIP. We have a streamlined sign-up form, and you can pay with PayPal or directly with your credit card or debit card. In one or two minutes from right now, you can be a VIP member and diving into our library, pwtorch.com slash govip. Searching for more great pro wrestling talk? Then join me, Jason Powell, host of the free weekly Pro Wrestling Boom podcast. Each week, you'll hear the latest news and analysis from me and my team at ProWrestling.net along with other pro wrestling media members. Plus, the Pro Wrestling Boom podcast features long-form interviews with notable names in the pro wrestling industry. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, and all your favorite secondary apps, or visit us directly at PWBoom.com. Once again, that's PWBoom.com. Now you can subscribe to our VIP podcast lineup within the Apple Podcast app using your Apple account. That's new as of March 2022. Just search PW Torch in your Apple Podcast app and you'll see the PW Torch Daily Cast logo show up. That's our free show that's been around forever. And also the PW Torch VIP Podcast logo. There is a free show every week, so subscribe even if you don't plan to go VIP and get a sample of our VIP tier programming. But if you click subscribe, then you'll become a VIP member instantly with a three-day free trial after which your Apple account will be charged. So you don't need to take out your credit card, debit card, or go anywhere else. If you listen to our free shows on Apple Podcasts, you are five seconds away from being a VIP member 
with a three-day free trial. So we invite you to check it out. That includes dozens of VIP shows throughout the week, including VIP versions of the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling post shows and podcasts and daily casts. All those episodes are presented to VIP members with ads and plugs removed, along with VIP exclusives like our post-pay-per-view roundtables, the Wade Keller Hotline, The Fix with Todd and Wade, Everything with Rich and Wade, and many other VIP exclusive shows. Just search PW Torch within the Apple Podcasts app. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Did you know we also have a website? PWTorch.com. Daily news updates, editorials, and my live TV coverage covering Raw, Dynamite, and SmackDown, and my live pay-per-view coverage for WWE and AEW. Create a tab or bookmark, make it a daily stop, visit us throughout the day, every day, to keep up on breaking news and more. That's PWTorch.com. Need an extra dose of positivity in your wrestling podcast? Well, come join me, Alan Forel, over in the Pro Rest Paradise at Peter Torch VIP as we bask on the bright side of wrestling and focus on some of the great matches and shows from around the world, be it the US, Japan, Europe, or Mexico. There's always a place for wrestling's past in the Paradise too, and we've done fun historical shows such as the We Love Liger series, celebrating the glorious career of Jushin Thunder Liger. And our I Was There When shows, where our guests will join me to talk about a classic bout that they were in attendance for. We love variety, and you can expect lots of it at the Pro Rest Paradise. Detailed PW Torch VIP subscription information and a list of all the VIP benefits is available at pwtorchvipinfo.com. And yes, all VIP podcasts are compatible with popular podcast apps on iPhone and Android devices. Or you can stream them directly from our ad-free VIP mobile site. See you in the paradise. One benefit of VIP membership is access to our back issue library. Contemporaneous, in-depth, insider reporting on pro wrestling in real time over the past 30 plus years. And throughout the year 2022, we're going to begin our march through the year 2002 with back issues posted each week in PDF and all text formats. You can read it in a PDF format with our original magazine slash newsletter style layout on your screen and flip through the pages, or you can read a straightforward all text format on your phone or tablet or laptop. The back issues early in 2002 covered the arrival of Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and Hulk Hogan to WWE and all the controversy that came with them. Plus my cover story that broke the news on the planned launch by Jerry and Jeff Jarrett of a promotion called TNA. Also, the early 2002 features are 2001 year in review features, including ranking pro wrestling's most influential power brokers and our torch year end awards, the year in quotes, and the top 50 stories ranked in order from the year 2001. So go VIP and dive into our back issues. We have most of our back issues available as soon as you sign up with new back issues week by week from the year 2002 one at a time throughout the year 2022. pwtorch.com slash go VIP. PWTorch.com slash GoVIP. That's PWTorch.com slash GoVIP for full information and our sign-up form. It's more than podcasts. It's an unmatched library of wrestling history spanning more than three decades as soon as you sign up with more issues added throughout the year. With a bustling holiday season well underway, ready-to-eat meal delivery can send a helping hand. Factor Meals shops, preps, cooks, and delivers to your door so you can enjoy chef-crafted, dietitian approved meals during the holidays on demand, on a whim, whenever you're hungry, whenever you're looking for a nutrient-dense, quick meal to get you the energy you need. 
to keep you moving and feeling healthy during the holiday season, minus the hassle of online orders, waiting for it to arrive, opening that plastic bag, wondering if they got it right, do you have to reheat the food, how much should you tip, none of that comes with the Factor Meal process. You have a choice of 34 meals per week, including Gourmet Plus, Keto, Calorie Smart, Vegan and Veggie, and 36 plus weekly add-on options. You've got plenty of nutritious, flavorful options to choose from. The holiday season is especially busy for a lot of us, me included, and Taking time to cook or go somewhere to eat isn't always possible. And then you reach for junk food or bad food. And that's not what Factor delivers. Factor is cheaper than dining out and takeout. You can put the money you save toward holiday fun and you time. Thanks to Factor's commitment to ingredients with integrity, you can enjoy flavorful chef-crafted meals, guilt-free like their three-bean vegan chili, one of my favorites. Need a special occasion meal? Gourmet Plus is a perfect solution if you're looking for fast, upscale options done easy. You can actually cook a gourmet meal for your family and friends, you don't have to tell them it was Factor. When things get hectic during the holidays, Factor is flexible. Change your order every week with plans from 4 to 18 meals per week or pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. So stress less over mealtime this holiday season. Factors, no prep, no mess meals. Free up time, otherwise spent shopping, cooking, and doing cleanup so you can fully enjoy the holidays without wasting hours in the kitchen. Factor meals arrive ready to heat up in just two to three minutes in your microwave. There's no prep. There's no little ingredient packets to open, no instructions to follow. So head to factormeals.com slash Wade50 and use code Wade50 to get 50% off. That's code Wade50 at factormeals.com slash Wade50 to get 50% off. I am a customer. I endorse this product. I pay for it. And I value when I get hungry and need a quick meal, knowing I've got something with nutrient-dense food to give me the energy I need to get through my work day or my work evening on those long pay-per-view nights and long TV nights. So go to factormeals.com slash Wade50 and use code Wade50 to get 50% off.